Huh. All right. Oh, now that I did that, I gotta yawn. Excuse me one second. <laughs> Sorry. I um, I came home last night and I was like, I just want to sit in a chair for a while. I was already sitting in a chair there, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a different sitting in someone else's chair than sitting in your own chair. Yeah. And like, so I just sat in my own chair and then I was like, oh, I should watch the end of Bloodshot. <laughs> so I watched the last disappointing 40 minutes of Bloodshot and I was like, huh, maybe I'll watch a little bit of Lovecraft Country. I won't watch all of it because it's pretty late. But... Oh, like this week's uh, episode? Yeah, I hadn't seen an episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't, five, yeah. can't just watch a bit of that. No. So yeah, so I was watching that and then it, I watched right to the end and I was like, oh, damn it. Now it's 1240. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, well. Six o'clock comes fast in this world. Anyway, tomorrow's Friday. Yep. All right. Um, I guess we'll get some silence, which is French for silence. Okay. And... Then take it away. Then we'll start. We were wondering at work today, actually, why, like the Russian, like I took the Russian word that you that you that you wrote out, and then I I put it into Google Translate, mm-hmm. and then it translated as sparks. Mm. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I was mentioning to my friend at work, and then we were, he said, I wonder why the French one's different then, why it's zap, and then and I was like, yeah, I wonder. So then I was looking up the French word for sparks or spark, which is I can't remember what it is now. And and I was going to um, put it into like a French dictionary and see if it's like wholly, you know, only about like uh, sparks from a fire, not like our sense of like electrical sparks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we have electrical mm-hmm. sparks, and we have sparks from a fly- fire. We don't differentiate them, but I wonder if French if they do. And so that's why they did not do it as as sparks. They did it as zap because that well, that implies like electrical rather than fire. I have a I have a translation question, but I'm going to keep it for the podcast. Oh, I thought we started. Yeah. The, didn't we start the show already? Yeah, I've been introduced us or done anything like that. Oh, you know what? They know who we are. Wow, is that how we're uh, changing it up on four fifty nine? I'm Ian Boothby. Hi, how are you? Okay, so we're already in it. You're doing one of those uh, sneaky peek things where you know the uh, person is telling something about their life. Just like you know what? I never loved my dad. And they're like, so when are we recording? Well, we started 10 minutes ago. What? Actually, actually, you know what? You're in a Mark Maron uh, (laughs) situation. You know what? Psych. Here's the theme. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Fuck you. <laughs> that is the most appropriate response to that situation I've ever heard. Anyway, I'm Ian Boothby. Hi, Ian. How's it going? Oh, I felt like it got off to a rough start this episode. I don't yeah, know what happened. Bit, yeah, a little confusing. I thought there was a betrayal off. of trust. Got a real... Got a real... <laughs> you know what? Listen, I'm cranky. I've had uh, three days of uh, bad air. Like, real bad air. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. So, so we did go out to a friend's birthday yeah, yesterday, which was very nice. Yeah, that was they nice. Were, yeah, they were in a part of town that was not necessarily uh, too bad. Uh, but, like, the mm. fires are burning... And the smoke is in the air. And then for a while as well, we also had a, a fire in New Westminster, which is fairly close. So there was a little of that kind of creosote smell as well <laughs> yes. that was in the air. Yeah. And uh, my, so this is what I've been going through. One, hard to get a full breath. That's not great. Mm. Two, uh, headaches because of the smell in the air. Sleeping like awful. 
like just sweating, sleeping because of the because of the you just can't get away from it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, and my skin is terrible. My skin is just clogged. My pores are clogged from from all this. Okay. So I'm just getting like the worst. You know, it's uh, the day before prom. Uh, kind of skin. <laughs> yeah so oh. uh it's supposed to be it wasn't too bad like the days it rained it rained like two days yeah and those days were fine and it's supposed to rain supposed to rain tomorrow supposed to mm-hmm. we'll see um and uh and th- they say then it'll kind of clear up but uh oh, this has just been it's been like it went from lockdown uh which is self-imposed lockdown but it went from lockdown to just don't leave your house at all. Like, don't go outside. Just yeah. stay, stay in completely, completely. And uh, and even with that, you know, just like feel like you've got the flu, even though you don't have the flu. Yeah, it's just been ugh. so. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 part of my grouchiness from off the top. <laughs> also, your mind games. <laughs> I was having some fun. Oh, it's okay. Have a bit of fun. Just having some you know fun what? Here. here, have some at my expense. <laughs> I don't feel that was at your expense. Enjoy, enjoy. Just, uh, we were talking a little bit before before this about uh, yeah, that's gonna uh, that's that, that's gonna be in the show. So yeah, yeah that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I'm I'm gonna refer to what people were yeah, just yeah. hearing us talk sure, about. Sure, sure. Uh, but I uh, I forwarded you uh, the cover of the Russian edition of Sparks, and you were talking about uh, you know showing it to a friend the the title but here's the thing that I'm like I don't I don't get this and maybe I'm a dum dum okay for this uh, they translated Nina and my names yeah yeah what's that mean that, no you don't that's not what our <laughs> names are like if I go to Russia mm-hmm. like my name all of a sudden doesn't change to that yeah and then you know and when I'm signed to go into a hotel it's like oh not Ian that word doesn't exist here <laughs> you're this yeah yeah you know, uh, so what's that about? I've never seen that before. Like the idea that, you know, it's like a, so it's a Dostoevsky novel. Oh, mm, no, it's not. It, this is in America now. So now it's Jones. We're just going to change it for you because, you know. But we, we do, do but we, but we do do like. Do we? Well, yeah, because Dostoevsky is not written like Dostoevsky in Russian. It's written, but does it's it written sound? in Cyrillic. Yeah. So what, what they've done is they've used the Cyrillic alphabet to make a mnemonic version of mm. your name the same way we See, take you the, solved my problem the same way now. we take the like you know Dostoevsky's name we make a mnemonic version of Dostoevsky spelling it out in using our 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 alphabet right okay the correct alphabet yeah <laughs> yeah there you go sure uh, let's just say god's alphabet <laughs> yes right god's that's alphabet fair. that's fair to say yeah okay. yeah i think that's fair more than fair to say Sure. All right. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's fine then. Uh, but uh, yeah, the so same way that when people came, like you know, whether they when people came here from you know Eastern Europe or the Ukraine and stuff like that, and we have lots of Chucks in our, you know, we have a I have a friend named David Matichuk, you know, a Ukrainian family. Mm-hmm. Lots of Ukrainian people came here. After, you know, um, I guess after World War One, they they came over from they were escaping the the communists, so a lot of people fled, and um, so they. Came to Canada where there was lots of farmland. You know, obviously, it was not really ours to give away, but we did. We gave it away to Ukrainian people coming here, and uh, and when those people came, you know, their names were not spelled out for the immigration people. They they had to do a you know like a, a mnemonic spelling of the name. So they you know use C H U K as a way to spell out Chuck for the names of of Ukrainian people, and that's how it is. But of course, where they lived originally, their names did not look like that. They never. You know, we don't even know if that's like an accurate representation of this, the the real, you know, it could have been like a shook sound, but they just kind of 
said, ah, CH is good enough, you know. Right. That's neat. Yeah, I like seeing our names in Hebrew, and that I understood. Mm. You know, like, okay, well, this is, I guess, pronounced, but uh, okay, well, that kind of that kind of makes sense. So, yeah, it's uh, backwards N for my first name, then a letter E, and then an H. Yeah. And uh, it looks like you got, like, a little squiggle line over the backwards N. And I guess <laughs> that spells Ian. There you and, go. There you go. Squiggle yeah. lines. I have no idea how they how they work Boothby out of the the next bunch of stuff they've got, but you know there you go. All other uh, languages are wrong. Let's just say that, <laughs> and uh, we will tolerate them, and that is what makes us good. I I have to admit that I love other languages, but uh, it's you know I can understand why people wouldn't like them because you know they're so they're so um, random. That's the word I'm going to use right well, now. Well, let me ask you this: You love love other languages? Yeah. When you got married, did you get married in only English? Yes. Because, I sir, I got married yeah. in Hawaiian as well as English. Oh, well, there you go. And, and, yet, and I have no idea what And I, I hope you corrected the yes person to. and said, I want to be married only in the real language. And they would have then gone Hawaiian completely, and I would have totally <laughs> known what it was. But, like, we were agreeing to a lot of stuff that I don't know what it yeah, was. You, like, yeah, yeah. And, like, afterwards, uh, P and I were we got abandoned by our families by accident. Yeah. Yeah. So we had some time to sit with a bottle of booze um, <laughs> uh, and, and talk about it and just go, what were some of those vows? Yeah. Yeah. And she, and, and she said to me, like the one that I can remember is I can never walk behind you nor in front of you. Yeah. But only at your side. Oh. And we both agreed. Yeah. We both vowed. That and I take vows seriously. Sure, I'm sure um, you do. We both vowed that way, so now we can't uh, line up for anything <laughs> unless we're like side by side. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what if you walk? What if you turn sideways and walk single file sideways? Oh, you're like, saying like what's the what's front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm it's just thinking just... if you're going through like a narrow passage, you 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 can't walk side by side. Otherwise, you'll you'll just be doing a Laurel and Hardy routine. So you have well, to. Look- I don't have a choice. I can't walk through a narrow passage. That was my vows on my wedding. My wedding. No, vows. but if you turn sideways and walk side by side, you are still fulfilling that. Yeah, I guess technically, technically that is true. I'm all about legalisms. That's what people love about other people. Are people who like, you know, try to like figure out uh, escape clauses to all their rules. I do remember that again when you were uh, doing your wedding vows. Mm-hmm. When you went like, now technically, you said <laughs> That's a right. lot. Yeah. And, and uh, at least it would like roll her eyes. And then you'd, <laughs> you'd all sit down and you'd draw stuff out with diagrams. Like, and I go, if I don't actually do this, yeah. but I come close, yeah. is that okay? Okay, what if I do this, but I don't enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? And uh, yeah, we all we all sat back and went, "This is going to take a while." <laughs> That's what I mean. That kind of person's the yeah. most popular guy at a party. And then David M had to initial it, and I was like, "Okay, I'm sure that he does it, but he doesn't enjoy it." I was like, "Yes." I do. He went along. He went along with me. Yeah. Yeah, and then you accidentally ended up ma- marrying David M for a second because it was like, oh, <laughs> you, you, so many you papers. Focus on the details, you focus on the details. So many papers to sign. You yeah. don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you stop reading. You stop reading. We didn't, we didn't have same-sex marriage back then. Otherwise, it would have been binding. <laughs> but you know, there you go. Yeah, once again, legal, legal escape. And it would have been. And, and listen, I mean, you two are fine fellows. Yep. But I don't think uh, two fellows should get married who have the same first name. Oh, really? Yeah. You shouldn't be like, hey, David. Yeah, David. What's going on, David? Hey, David. Ugh. It's, and it's just annoying for your friends. Well, you're, you're you right. Know? But, you know, how often do couples 
actually call each other by their name. Most most couples, I think, refer to each other with pet names. Okay, like you, name name after your pets. No, I mean like sweetheart, sweetie, darling, dear. Okay. You know, like I I very rarely call Lisa Lisa to her face. It's usually a pet name, or I just call her I'll call her mum because she's the girl's mum. So. No, I think the only time I ever call Pia Pia would be um, if, when you're mad at her. Uh, no, I'm downstairs. <laughs> it's the easiest way. Okay. To, yeah. To, you know, to go like, it, should this be running and the, the, this much water on the floor? Things like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think you know, even if you married someone who had the same name as same name as you, then you, you would very rarely use those names. But wouldn't it be an, an, an irritant when you go to a party mm. and like your friends, like you got friends and well, they're a married couple and they've got the same name. Also, though you get mail, <laughs> if you take the same last name and now you got the exact same sure, name. Sure. Ugh, I mean, a... I mean, there'd be some issues, but you know, for instance, we were at a, a, our friend's place yesterday and he is a David and I'm a David, but we have figured out a way to differentiate from each other. Yeah. He wore a funny hat. Well, that helped, but also I'm usually Dave. I usually, I will usually uh, give way to the other David, and I will become Dave. I'm because I have no, I don't really care if people call me Dave or David. It's fine, whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay, so David M, uh, uh, David M, you and David Fine were all at our 400th episode. Yeah, yeah. How did that? How did the Davidness break down there? Well, I, yes, that's a very good point, but I don't think there was any kind of moment of conflict where all three of us needed to refer to each other. So we were quite lucky in that way because that, yeah. that would have been like a space time continuum, sort of an incident, right? Yeah. I think you need something like um, the Margaret Peggy thing where you have like one extra option. Cause there are so many Daves and Davids. So once you've done the David and Dave, mm -hmm. you need a third option. Sure. It can't be Dav well, Davey. or Davey. You got Davey. Davey. No one wants to be Davey. How about, um, you know what, here's a, here's a uh, diminutive of David is Dewey. Ooh, that's tough though, too. Do you want to be Dewey? Like if one is <laughs> a library, you're the Dewey saying. Decimal System, yeah. and also you're Dewey. Yeah. You're just Dewey in the morning and lightly covered in dew. It's just, that's uh, <laughs> I think you need a, That's why I took the, I took the, the smart route and I, you know, I caved early and I took Dave. Okay. So I'm already set. I'm already Dave. Like the other two Davids have to fight it out between themselves. I have nothing to do with, with their clash of wills you know no that's fair that's fair okay yeah. it very very rarely do i run into another ian and if i do run into another ian they they always have the extra eyes in their name which i think are ridiculous and it's just <laughs> it's just an embarrassment so you know <laughs> knock, knock it off fellas yeah just showing off their welsh roots yeah of course if i go to england then uh, there's a million ian boothbys because it's just so common mm. it's ridiculous is that right uh, yeah. It is the John Smith of England, is that what you're saying? Well, Boothby is a very common British name. Okay. And then Ian is also a very common British name. So you get enough of that together. Yeah. It's, it's very it's very fortunate that when um yeah, the, like if if you do a Google of Ian Boothby, you will get uh, the guy from Thor, the character first. Okay. Oh, uh, no, not you? No, him. Uh and then uh oh, you will get you will get me. Yeah. And then you will get a fisherman from England. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who comes forth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I very much lucked out, uh, by being kind of online when the internet started to take off Okay, and I was able to like get the, you know, Twitter names and what, what have you pretty early on, mm. but, uh, there's enough, uh, Brits with my name that it's actually kind of shocking to me that I was able to get them.
Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. If you if I if if I Google search my name, which I don't do as a rule, but I did do yesterday because we were talking about what you could discover about yourself online. And so I just put my name in to this is, you know, see what would come up. And uh, not very much, by the way. But I do have a, a David, Dr. David Dedrick, who lives near me. He lives in, in Bend, Oregon. So mm. I, I don't mean he lives on the street, but he's fairly close. He's, you know, I guess six, six hours away or whatever. And uh, yeah, he's a he is a pulmonologist, a pulmonologist. So he'll tell you a fortune. I think he'll read your, read your palm and... Uh... I think you're thinking of a pulmonologist. He's a pulmonologist, pulmonologist, also known as a sleep doctor. So oh, okay. I guess he... Deals... So he's like Dr. Sleep, like the Ewan McGregor movie. <laughs> well, yes. I think that was Dr. Sleep was one of his like names and his... Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, now we know. I'm not going to would... look, look that guy up, especially if he's wearing a hat. Yeah, would there be a... Yeah. Would there be an ethical problem to having a doctor with your name? Because I think like then it would be weird when you go to the pharmacy with your prescription. I don't, and I don't think it would same... be. I don't think it would be an ethical problem, but it might be like yeah, it might be a, an annoying problem. Mm. But I don't think there's any ethics involved in you going to see a do- person with the same name as you. I think there is, and here's why. Okay, what's your what's your ethical problem with this? I don't think if okay. you were, or say you were a doctor. Yeah. Which commandment are you breaking here? Um. Oh, wait. Do all ethical problems have to be commandment based? Well, I would say that if you're talking ethics, you're talking about the idea of good and evil or good, bad and good. So I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to just trying to figure out what uh, which what ethical system you're following here. In fact, I'd say m- uh, most of the Ten Commandments don't fall under good and evil. It's you know, it's uh, you know, it's just God's you know saying don't uh, don't put anyone before me. It's like that's not an evil situation. That's just no, a, that can hey. lead that can lead to bad stuff. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If okay, if. If it's an Old Testament God and they exist and they're gonna like no no I don't mean up. that I don't mean that I just mean that you know making false idols can lead to bad things making an m- idol of money can lead to to bad things making an idol of of you know technology can lead to bad things so. it can lead to but yeah. isn't on its own yeah no 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 these are, yes you're right these are more some of these are guidelines but I'm yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what ethical system we're we're following here to, in order to to get the well ethic, let me break down ethic. but yeah you break it down and then I'll and I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll chime in afterwards I think as a doctor yeah. uh, you can't like there's a reason that as a doctor you don't treat your own family because mm-hmm. you're too emotionally close to your own okay. family yeah yeah to be but no no but to... we didn't say family you said sharing a name Right, and I have more to the sentence. I mean, because David Dedrick and I are not the same person, and we are not related at all. But uh, okay. here's where I'm going with this. Okay. If you were treating a David Dedrick, yeah. I think that you would treat a David Dedrick differently than you would treat a Donnie uh, uh, Donner. A Donnie <laughs> Donner that walks in. Like you would have wait a second, wait a second. Before we go on, yeah. I just want to establish the fact that this person had parents. Yeah. And his last name was Donner. Right, and his parents named him Donnie. Right. Well, listen. That is distract- that is cruel. No. That is that is a bigger ethical problem to me. That is that's it is child not abuse because they were that part is of child the, abuse. No, they were part of the Donner party, and they they wanted to distract from that. So people will <laughs> how focus old is on this, the goofy how old is name. this guy? How old is he? Yeah, if his parents were part of the Donner party. No, no, the family is was part of the. Oh, Donner the family. Party. So it's a family history. It's a family history. So they're trying mm. to distract by the stupid name <laughs> off the top, and no, no one dives deep and goes, "Hey, who were you at the Donner party?" Because no right. one thinks about that. All right. Like, what a dumb All right. Okay. Name. You you've excuse. Uh, normally, I would give that the title of child abuse, but uh, I'll accept your. I'll you accept think your that's reasons. child abuse? Where, okay. What commandment is that breaking? The 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 uh, child abuse commandment. 
Oh, okay. I don't think that was a one of them, but okay. I think it was honor your mother and father, but you can do what you want to your kid. Um, <laughs> it does not say that. Well, but it doesn't mention anything about the kid. So anyway, uh, that's again, All you right. technically off to the side going, aha, but, and like Moses <laughs> is going, you just let me finish. <laughs> what great. I'm saying is, yeah, that's right. you're, you're, I think if you were uh, at a, a doctor's office. Thou shall not kill. Can I injure? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you're in the doctor's office and the doctor had to con- continually look at your chart and the chart had their name on it, mm-hmm. you, you can't be distanced. Yeah. You're always going to be like, oh, I'm distracted by that. I'm mm-hmm. so distracted. Uh, I can't give you good uh, advice sure. because I'm too, I, I, I'm, I'm too in my own head now. You've thrown me off. <laughs> and, well, uh, well, here's the lucky thing then for your, for your problem. Is that most doctors are sociopaths, so they have a, they would care very little about all this these incidents. So that, well, you know. whatever works, <laughs> you know, fine. I'll take a sociopath that knows what they're doing. Me too. That's you fine. know, maybe they, maybe they're sociopathic against the disease. Maybe that they feel about that like, oh, I could just go for killing a disease. I'm like, yeah, the only thing that gives me pleasure. <laughs> I said sociopath, is, not a psychopath, but okay. Well, you know, a little <laughs> six to one, half a dozen of the other. All right. Um, you know, the only thing that makes uh, them feel mm-hmm. is, you know, oh, I can get rid of that heart disease. They're so excited. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think I don't, you know. There's different levels, of course, of any any sort of personality disorder, but it it, ha, it has I've had heard I have heard it said that there is a, a a large percentage of doctors who have sociopathic tendencies, and that doesn't mean they're murderers. It just means that because they have like emotion, they have you know low emotional stakes in things that they are can be calmer under pressure, which I would like very much if I had a doctor who was calm under pressure. Whereas if I was the doctor, you know, and, I, and pressure started, I would get very nervous and, you know, the person would end up with their head, you know, attached to their feet. And so it would just be, be, I don't know what, I got nervous and I just started t- stitching things and I'd, this is, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, like I just, I would be terrible. Well, here we go. I got the top 10 careers with the highest proportion of psychopaths. Oh, th- sociopaths. <laughs> Uh, I, I got psychopaths. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's go psychopaths. We'll go sure, sociopaths. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so psychopaths. Why don't you try naming like three, and we'll see if we get uh, any of these first. Okay. Number uh, of sociopaths. So psychopath. Yeah. Uh, lawyers. Uh, lawyers number two. Yes. Uh, is doctor in there then? Doctor. Uh, if you count surgeon as doctor, and yeah, yeah, surgeon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five. Okay. Um, how about uh, president of the United States? A politician. Let's see. A civil servant. Sure. Ten. Uh, that's not, okay. Not high enough. How about um, real estate sales? Uh, salesperson number four. Salesperson number four. Okay. And you've been a salesperson, so you've uh, you've been there. Yeah, I'm also a psychopath. You're correct. Um, okay. Let me think now. Uh, number one. I'm trying to get number one here. That's, that's what I'm sure, really, sure, really, sure, really sure, aiming. Sure. Okay. And I'm surprised that surgeon if comes that low. Number, uh, number four. No, hmm. sorry. Number five, you said, right? Because I am God. <laughs> That's what I've heard. That's right. About those guys. That's right. Um, how about policeman? Police officer. Yes, number seven. Number seven. Huh. Uh, You're doing well in this family feud. <laughs> Thanks. Survey says. Uh, how about? You're kind of cleaning up here. Yeah. How about? I'm just trying to think of other things that would. Um, how about like a prison guard? Would they have that in there? Prison guard? Yeah. No, we don't okay. have a prison guard. Police officer kind of would be. Yeah, I guess that would fall. I was thinking that too. That would fall under the same. Um, Just think of people that like could help people but don't help people. 
<laughs> um, oh, really? Like, how about how about tow truck drivers? Tow truck drivers? Yeah. No, no, not in there. No. Nope. Uh, how about or t- like with all the troubles in the world? Yeah, that could probably help. They don't. How about soldiers? Are soldiers in there? Soldiers? No, we do not have soldiers. Maybe they wouldn't list soldiers. Maybe That's that'd be mean. That would be mean, and, and I wonder if you know they don't. In the army would wouldn't want you know psychopaths in there. I mean, it wouldn't you know? It does sound like it would be good to have people who are indifferent to murder, but at the same time, then you're not a very good team player, and that seems like the ultimate in team play is is being a soldier. You know, like this kind of sense of you know everyone kind of backing each other in this in a horrible situation. And if you have one person who's sort of a lone wolf doing his own thing, it's not very helpful. Uh, right. Hmm. You know what? Uh, oh, I got sorry. it. I got it. That sorry. Is, no, but I've got to tell you, okay. there is a little bit of a mistake here. Okay. Uh, in that, uh, in the in the Wikipedia, yeah. In the Wikipedia version of this, yeah. They list these as psychopath jobs. Okay. But yeah. But yeah. Uh, on uh, on another page, they list these as sociopath jobs. I see. That's yeah. why that's why it came uh, came up. According to author Kevin Dutton, yeah. uh, who's done a lot of research on the subject, these are, let's go with, these are sociopath jobs, not psychopath jobs. I see. So, yes, okay. So, sociopath jobs. So, yes, sir. So, we've covered politician, police officer. Civil servant, I yes. See, civil servant, or civil servant. Um, we said, I said lawyer. That was number two. Yes, you have, number two. Um, people who could help but don't. Yeah, people who have the power to help but don't. Yeah. Think of someone who in our society has a lot of power, yeah, but doesn't do anything. Some do, but most don't. I see. How about? Uh, no, I don't say that. It's too too political. It's too too political a joke. Okay, you've already said the president, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say Catholic priests, but I was... clergy. Yes, number eight. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Really, that's a popular job for sociopaths, I guess, because it's. People are vulnerable to you in that in that situation. So I wonder sure. if I wonder if teachers are attracted to being, uh, uh, or if, or if social are attached. To, uh, but it feels like teaching would be too much too. Uh, what's the word? I'm like nurturing for for. Yeah, like we don't have teacher. Anymore. Yeah, I just think that job is too. It's like you're missing three right now. Oh no, four. You're missing four. Huh. Okay, just tell me the where they are. One. Tell me where they are. I'm getting. Okay, you. the number nine. Yep. Uh, job uh, for uh, for sociopaths, uh, it, though also says psychopaths here for some reason. Um, chef. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a high pressure job, and I can see that. And maybe being also if you have to kill a lot of animals or be around a lot of, you know. I don't think uh, it's about I mean, killing animals because I don't think they do that very much. But I think it's more. No, I, it's a position of power. Yeah. Over other people. Sure. So you can mind game all day long. And yeah. then also, it's a high pressure job where you your calmness would be would be a uh, asset. So I think it would help though if you did not have to connect uh, anything. You know, with if you're dealing with a lot of meat, yeah, it probably wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for you to uh, have that distance. Oh and sure, not, sure. Know, not have that feeling. Sure. Um, so yeah, number ten is civil servant. Number nine is chef. Number eight is clergy. Number seven, police officer. Number six yep. is journalist. Oh, huh. So I guess that is having that uh, uh, distance and just like focusing yeah. on the story and just getting the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, surgeon. Number four, salesperson. Yeah. Number three, media, being in TV and radio. That feels kind of the same as journalist, but okay. Uh, it's a different situ- different situation. It could just be a talking head. Could you know not necessarily digging for a story. Okay. And trying okay. to and trying to uncover a truth, but yeah. instead just being a face. Yeah. 
Uh, number two is lawyer. You got that one right. And number one is CEO. Oh, businessman. Or yeah, yeah. I should have, should have said that. Yeah, like a billionaire yeah, who doesn't yeah. uh, do anything and uh, doesn't. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, like a Jeff Bezos, for instance. That would be an example of that. Yeah, or an Elon Musk would be a good example of someone like that, probably. Or, or say you're a fellow who goes like, you know what? I should take a picture of myself with a naked lady on my back while I'm windsurfing. And you go, and everyone goes, that's a good idea, boss. And they go, I think it is too. And then you you do that. You take that picture, and you go like, see, let's put that picture everywhere. And everyone goes, good idea, boss. And then he goes, you know what? I should take a balloon across the Pacific Ocean or whatever. <laughs> and everyone goes, that's a great idea, boss. That's a good time spent. Well done, <laughs> you. No, money couldn't be spent in a better way, boss. Good job. Uh, you're talking about Richard Branson. I, I might be. Mm-hmm. No, I could, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, those... You know, he's he kind of he kind of came up through various industries that make their money by exploiting other people. So you know, you know he hey, was a, you... he was a record label owner. You know, so yeah. you're Virgin Records, you're yeah. finding artists and you're exploiting their talents to to you know put money in your own pocket. Yep. Now, would you like to know, just in case you were wondering, say you're say you're a, a psychopath yourself. I'm a psychopath. Yeah, a psychopath, uh, and you want to uh, attain power. Okay. And maintain maintain power. Uh, here's, here's what you do. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you five steps. Sure. Okay. So your first step, you're going to have to enter into this, uh, environment. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, luckily you've developed some social skills and charm. Yeah. That's, that's important. You realize even though it's meaningless to you, yeah. you learn from other people's reactions, how you should behave to get what you want. That's exactly what you And do. so either you learn, you can learn through like being a bully or you learn that if you flatter people, you can also get things. So you kind of you kind of have a mix of those two elements to yourself. Yeah, basically, something I've heard is like uh, psychopaths have to be charming or they die because <laughs> yeah. you will you can't get away with any of your psychopathic behavior. Yeah, if yeah, not yeah. charming. So okay, yeah. let's say this is you at work. Sure. All right. So this is you at work. So you, yeah. first of all, you got your job because you were charming. Yep. Yeah. All right. Now, second thing you got to do sure. is assess. It's assessment time. Okay. You got to look at everyone around you ah, yes. and weigh them all up according mm-hmm. to their usefulness to you. <laughs> okay. uh, recognize, uh, recognize them either as a pawn, mm-hmm. someone you can uh, manipulate, yep. or a patron. Ah, yes. Who has power that, uh, that you'll use to protect yourself against attacks. Yeah. yeah. So think about all the people at your work and who's your pawns and who's sure. your patrons. Sure. Very good. Okay, next, it's time to break out. The manipulation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, a psychopath here will create a scenario of psychopathic fiction where positive information about themselves and negative disinformation about others has to be created. Yes. So this is probably, this is not true stuff, but you're building yeah, yeah. yourself up. You sure. You're, everything everything, everything is down. everything is tremendous. Everything you do is tremendous. That's right. So, and you're, uh, while you're doing this, you are trying to groom your patrons and you're grooming your pawns. Yes. Okay. Now, well, it's time for confrontation. Okay. Okay. You got to maintain your agenda. Yeah. And so to do this, it is time for some character assassination. Hmm. Okay. And yep. this is uh, and, and this is where you're discarding some of your pawns uh, or the people that you have used as your patrons, but you're mostly yeah. discarding your pawns. Yeah. Yeah. And after this has happened, uh, it leads to your ascension. Yeah. 
you uh, go up the ranks uh, in the uh, place that you're at, yeah. uh, and you will take for yourself a position of power and prestige from anyone who once supported them, not caring about them because you know you use them, and the patrons become the pro- the pawns. Mm. Uh, you now, and you and you uh, work your way up. Well, I, you know, I tried to do that one time, but one of my patrons could only move diagonally, and it <laughs> didn't. It was a real made it really difficult for me. I swear you were going to do a joke about how <laughs> your patron just gave you like two dollars a month, but you really appreciate it. <laughs> no, okay. I do appreciate it. I appreciate all right, so, yeah, everything. Appreciate I, I, think, I, I never think of our of our, our our patrons as pawns. No, no, no. They're your patrons. Yeah, not, yeah. Uh, a patron isn't a pawn no, unless no, no, no. unless you do. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Unless you do your character assassination. I mean, and then you and then you move them off the board. That's true. To yes. be fair, it is a Ponzi scheme, but there, I don't think of them as pawns. Yeah, or is a yeah, our podcast a pyramid scheme? <laughs> no, I wonder. No, not really. Okay, because you're. I mean, the idea of the pa- patron thing is you are offering a service, and people are. Are paying you for that service yeah you know so you you are being paid you're pay, being you're it's a value you're added not trying to recruit them to recruit others that's true okay, it's not right. yeah. it is not a period mm-hmm. very good yeah all right we're all fine anyway for those of you <laughs> out there that want to be psychopaths and to work your way up through the, the industries sure um there that's how you do it you're welcome well the problem is, is if you're not a psychopath at some moment in doing all this you'll have a crisis of of uh you know you have a moral moral crisis and you'll you'll crash on your on your own rocks you know yeah it'll fall apart you'll you'll crumble under the pressure because you can't you can't you can't kind of live that sort of double life of duplicity and and you know backstabbing unless you're a sociopath in which case you 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 relish it yeah you've uh, have you worked with psychopaths or sociopaths? i have i have worked with people like that yes i have yeah. yeah yeah and it's not much fun it's not much fun but you know the thing is is that because in the situation i was in when when i was where I was working, I didn't have any ambitions there. I was just working a job with the idea that I would eventually leave. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of outside of this person's, I didn't challenge this person's author, you know, uh, uh, ambitions. So I was of no importance to them at all. And I wasn't, I wasn't useful to them as, as a pawn because I would, you know, I wasn't a person who would go along with them. But at the same time, I was no threat either. So I just kind of, I did avoid a lot of the backstabbing, but I, I did get Spoken about, you know, badly by this person. You know, the people. Oh wow! Did they make stuff up, or was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just made up just for sure. Yeah, it was oh, made up. That's a stinker thing. Sorry about that. Eh, that's all right. I mean, I mean, it wasn't great, but what can you do? Did you ever have a job um, where you? Most of my jobs are are temporary, as in, like you know, do a project, project's done. Yeah, that's the end of that. Maybe I'll work with these people again sometime, but you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I've never. I think had that situation where. I go into a job and it's like you're going to work your way up the ladder. Yeah. And then you know maybe one day from the mailroom you'll be all the way up to the bubba <laughs> Oh boy, that'd be something, Mister. Ah, oh, shucks. Um, I've never really had that. Uh, at this times where the people who hired me thought I wanted that. Yeah. And I had to kind of pretend I wanted that, otherwise I wouldn't have gotten the job. And what I wanted was a job that paid money so that I could like pay rent. Yeah. And yeah. so I had to be like, yeah, sure. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't want to. Work up my way up the uh, discount Toys R Us ladder, whatever the yeah, yeah. Ex, you know the, yeah. the the second tier Toys R Us store was. Um, but have you ever had a job where you know you were interested in working your way kind of up the corporate ladder or the or the business ladder? Uh not really. Uh, I mean, I guess this job I'm in now, I would I do kind of 
I did apply to to move up the ladder. Like I did apply to okay. to leave the warehouse and, and get an office job there. And I did go through the interview process and things. I did not get the job. Okay. It went to someone who was sort of already handpicked to get the job. So I felt kind of cheated that we went through all this trouble of doing these interviews and stuff when they they'd already decided who was going to get the job even though this oh person... it's just a bit of a show yeah. Uh, yeah yeah that stinks and they hired like a guy who was incompetent and he really didn't even work that hard but he just knew how to suck up to people like speaking of speaking of uh it's like a sociopath yeah interesting yeah he uh yeah he just would like you know whatever the person above him did he would like take on he would do as well so say he for instance this is a true true example but our warehouse manager started growing garlic like started like uh, had a had a garden where he grew garlic mm-hmm. you know and he would talk about the i don't know what they call it these scales or something i can't remember what it is anyway something to do with the, the garlic and i you know he would he talked to me about it one time for the uh, too long really like too long <laughs> to talk to a person about garlic and but this other guy he started growing garlic you know so then he could talk to yeah. the warehouse manager about their garlic gardens and this and that and all the details and stuff like that. Whereas I was just like, fuck garlic. Like, that sounds like a lot of work. Is it garlic that expensive to go to the store and buy garlic? Like, are you really <laughs> saving that much money? Like, spending all this time and effort over your garlic garden? What, you know, like, and I know that this, you know, now that, now that that warehouse manager is, is gone, like, I, I know that this guy is, he does not have a garlic garden anymore. <laughs> you know, like, so. But yeah, so I, you know, I have shown, but you know, where I, when I was a farrier, I was as high as I could be. I was self-employed. So, you know, I was, I was the boss. And let me tell you, I was a terrible boss and also a terrible employee. Like we never got along at all. Wow. Constantly at, at, at uh, you know, at hammer and tongs, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that job, you know, there was no, there was no up or down. I mean, it, was, it was just me. But, and then when I worked at Sunburst, that was a family company, you know? So there was no, there was really no like promotional opportunity there because any promotion would have been one of the kids would get promoted. Right. You know, that those are the people who were intended to fill the job. And when neither of the, the kids showed interest in continuing the company, they just wrapped, you know, the owners wrapped it up and retired when that time came, you know? So they didn't, they had no, you know, you know what I mean? So there was really no possibility of advancement and, and i knew when i started there that was the case like i wish there had been more possibilities of raises but whatever i did enjoy like the freedom and, and independence i had at that job quite a bit so there's there was a trade-off but yeah no it's really it's only where i am now that i have the opportunity or the possibility it's kind of it's kind of um unlikely right now that they're going to have positions open in the office but i was sort of hoping because our our branch manager just retired a couple months ago and so I was hoping that one of the guys in the office was going to, and I think he was op- offered the opportunity to step into to the to that position, but he declined to do it. But if he had of, then there would have been another opening for a person to move into the office and become a customer service person. Mm. And you know, as much as I enjoy the stuff I do in the in the warehouse, uh, I feel like it's you know, there's kind of like I I can only do it for so long. You know, like I'm I'm 54. There's only so many years you want to like do a really hard, arduous physical job, and it is a pretty arduous physical job. You know, you you can make it pleasant for yourself, but it, it's you know there's a lot of toting and lifting of bales and things, you know, and mm-hmm. heaving and hoeing and whatnot. And you know, you do feel it. You feel it in your arms and you feel it in your legs, and you get 
bumps and bruises and cuts and what, what whatever. So, you know, it would be nice to like move out of that rough and tumble world of the warehouse and, and you know, sit uh, in like a fat cat in the office and, <laughs> and purr. But they, uh, but they, I don't, this guy is, doesn't seem to have any interest in, in, this idiot doesn't seem to have any interest in moving into the off into the office, his own office. But he's, he's, I was asking him, this kind of curious, you know, I was just asking if he was going to take it when it, when I heard it was offered and he said, no, I'm not going to. He said, I, you know, I have kids, I have young kids and it's a really time consuming job. You spend a lot of time talking to Edmonton and you're, you're back and forth from there and here. And you're, you know, it's, he said, this is a lot of, he says a lot of people like, cause there's people at work who would criticize our old branch manager who I think was a really great guy to work for. Um, they worked there a lot longer, but you know, they had their, they had their criticisms and he said, you know, some, you know, people can criticize our branch manager, but he said, you know, no one knows like how much work he did in his job. And, and I know, and that's why I have no interest in that. So, okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Would you feel comfortable with like doing phone calls and stuff all day long? I don't mind answering the phone. I would feel less comfortable having to call people, but in a business yeah. setting, I don't mind so much. It's for me, it's more personal calls that I, that I feel because it, I don't really mind talking on the phone. I don't really mind answering the phone. What I mind is calling someone who's at home because I feel like I'm bothering them. Yeah. And which so you wouldn't be there. You'd yeah, be calling someone at their job. That's right. And they want you to call them because they need, yeah. they need information or whatever. And so, you know, I'm, when I worked at Sunburst, I was the call. Per- I was the phone answer there too, right? Like I had to walk around with a headset on oh, when I was in the okay. warehouse, and I would answer the phone in the warehouse and talk to people. And I, t- you know, I dealt with customers all the time, all across Canada, and and I loved it. You know, I just I liked talking to them. It was really, you know, I had lots of friends across the country because I would, you know, we'd chat for a bit after when I call up about something, and or if they're calling to make an order, and we'd talk about this and that, and what the weather was like, or what what things were going on, and how their kids were, and whatever else, you know. So. I don't, you know, in that situation, I don't mind talking at all. It, really, where I, where I have the most issues calling someone is the idea of, I just find the idea of phoning someone and bothering them really off-putting, and I and I have a hard time with that. Hmm. I do have a hard time calling like other places sometimes, though, too, to be honest. But in a work in a work thing, I'm okay with it. But it's just in my own pri- private life, you know, like and even the dumb things like, you know, like I don't want to call the, I keep putting off calling the tire place. I need to get my tires rotated. And I keep putting off calling them because I'm too nervous to call. And I keep, keep thinking, I should call them. I'll do it later. <laughs> Four months later. I'll do it later. Yeah, I feel I feel uncomfortable calling the um, pet uh, pet food place. Uh, they've asked, like, you know, hey, it, it really helps us out if you call in advance and your order and whatnot. But now they know me too well. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want that. Now I get, <laughs> now I get my wife to do that. And yeah. they're totally being super friendly about yeah, it. Like yeah, they're, of course they, they are. Like I go there and they're like, "Oh, you're our favorite customer. You're also great and all this." <laughs> I really would like to shop somewhere else. I don't want anyone to know me. I just want to come in and just buy cat food and litter and leave. I don't want to. Ugh. And I'm like, I, I'm not an antisocial person. Yeah. I just, you know, I just this is one of those things. I was just like, I just want to just come in and get the stuff and go. I, I had a I had a thing the other day, and this sounds semi braggy. Uh, but it was like I went into three different stores that I know, and all three stores went, It's Ian Boothby! Look at him here! Here he is! And they would say my name <laughs> And it would just be like, What the holy hell? Who would like this? Like, I know it's like you're being goofy friendly. Like, yeah, yeah. isn't this ridiculous how anyone would never do that? Like, I think that's kind of what they're, yeah, yeah. they're going with. Like, yeah. I don't think they're doing 
sincerely is in like, you know what people like when they walk in? Announcing <laughs> your name. It's like, I'm not Norm from Cheers. And even then, they didn't list Norm's last name. Um, yeah. Maybe they did sometimes. Then you go like, hey, Mr. Peterson. Okay, well, maybe they did. Uh, but it was just like, oh, I don't want to go into any of these places again, right? For a long time. It's just like, oh, I just want to be, I just want yeah. to, I'm wearing a mask, man. Just let me, let me skulk. Yeah, there's I'll skull. those times when you just want to go, just want to go yeah, in, let's, get in and go. Let's have a quiet conversation. Let's just, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good, good. What are you up to? I want this. Not, hey, there he is. <laughs> hey, big guy. Yeah. Oh, Come geez. on in. And it crosses into the big guy realm. Um, <laughs> Buddy. We're, we're really in some trouble. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm suspicious of people who refer to me as brother or something like that, yeah. <laughs> Brother. Yeah, well, you used to work with Hulk Hogan, so that's right. You don't, you don't do that. <laughs> hey, brother! <laughs> yeah, uh, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah, both. Are you? Guys. Oh no, he's different. I was thinking of uh, Mach, Randy Macho, Macho Man Savage, who yes did that really extreme kind of. I'm going to go and get. <laughs> he's like, Just get him. You're going to hurt Japan. yourself, <laughs> man. You look like you're you're apoplectic. Yeah, it's almost tech. weird to me, Jesse the Body Ventura, I have to say his full name, yeah. out of respect. Yeah, of course. But he was governor. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, it's, it is obviously weird that two guys from Predator became governor. Yeah. Like, that's... It is a, it is a good movie. It's, yeah, but it's not you know, two governors. Name, <laughs> let, name, you know, like, name another gonna... movie. Name another movie that you yeah. want to see two governors come out of. Oh, um, uh, Avengers. Who? I would uh, see a Chris uh, Chris Evans. I'd like to see him as a governor. He'd be a nice governor, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, and, no Jesse uh, the Body, but okay. Yeah, he, was, he'd be a actually, nice... was Jesse the Body Ventura a very good governor? I don't really know much about no, him. Well, this is where I was going with this. Yeah, was um, he used to be kind of a conspiracy nut, right? Like he was. We'd all be talking about the government's trying to do this and <laughs> sneaking in your nose. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh boy, like he's the kind of guy that you're like. Wow, when he becomes governor, he's going to know all this shit. And then when he stops being governor, he's going to tell us all this shit. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or yeah. he'll just come out of it and just go, no, there's nothing. There's nothing at all. <laughs> Turns and, out it's and, and fine. And he'll be like, is there nothing or are you scared to tell us? Nothing. Don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> and he'll just be like a very different man. But no, he's still the same guy and still just as paranoid and still just as, and the government. And it's like, but you were the government. You were a governor. Well, he's talking How? about the federal governments or not the not local oh, government. Lordy, but you were a governor. State government's you, fine. You can peek behind the curtain, Jack, right? You, you got invited to the parties. You know what's what. Yeah. You're telling me Schwarzenegger doesn't know what's going on? Like, it, clearly you, you saw some things and did some things. Uh, but no, it didn't, no change at all. It's so weird. It just goes back to being the same guy he was. Wasn't he like? About? Wasn't he like the government of Minnesota or something like that? Yeah. I mean, Minnesota. Yeah, you're still a governor. Minnesota, though, that's like like two thirds of that state is <laughs> campgrounds. Okay, fine. You still get all the governor shit. You eh. still get like the book of like here. No. I mean, you don't get told it's, that aliens exist. You know, it's like winning a car and then you get you get a scion. Yeah. Like it's not. It's, you know, it's okay. I got a car, but, you know. Yeah. This is the thing, like, you know, sorry to get into a little bit of this with, with Trump, but, like, you're like, there's a guy who will not who will not keep a secret to save his life. So you <laughs> now know nothing happened ever. Like, yeah. there's no aliens. Yeah. There's, you know, any, anything that's, like, a real dark, deep American secret 
either they didn't tell him or, <laughs> well, or just don't you think that's the most likely one if i mean if he's just like a stooge to some to some yeah. evil cabal then really that what are they going to tell him right they're not going to show him where the goat's head is but then that's the, that's another neat thing then is going like oh so the president doesn't know yeah so it is okay then that's interesting too and and also you kind of go like, well, that's too bad. The president should know. And then you you see this scenario and go, no, that's a good plan. Don't tell him. <laughs> I, I fully everything. He doesn't. Yeah. I fully support this secret government you've got. <laughs> yes. Hooray for the deep state. Yes, please. Uh, more, please. Yes, sir. All right. I'm all I'm all with it. It feels it feels like Jesse Ventura and and Trump. You know, I mean, uh, Trump was such a big wrestling yeah, fan that yeah. he would like show up. Mm. on the show uh that like those guys would have a little something to talk about right you both know some shit now right like blah 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 now. you know what i feel like we've known about the deep state for a long time because we also yes minister that's basically what that show's about okay well please continue with that theory and go on well i just mean the idea that they're... i didn't see yes minister sorry. you never saw yes minister the, the british no, should come well, oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, I've, okay. I've well, I mean, the idea of the show is like it's basically the reality, which is that the elected officials are are mere are simply you know small small spots on this giant smooth marble, you know, that slowly just kind of slide onto it and then slide down it and then fall off of it, you know. But the the civil service. They're the people who really are making the decisions and are really like in control because they're the ones who are there always, you know, mm. and so. They're, they can either guide through suggestion, through manipulation, through bribery, you know, whatever it takes to get the ends that they want. You know, they can manipulate the government, manipulate the officials who, you know, are supposedly the voice of the people. They can, you know, they have them wrapped around their little finger and then they just kind of go along with whatever decisions that the civil service wants, you know. And so, and I think we do see that, you know, you know. Like we do see that the decision making, you see like weird decisions come out of government. And you're like, well, why is that? And you go, oh, it's probably just some civil service, civil servants' pet project that they just been waiting forever to get get going, and now they've had an opportunity, and then now we get to live with the with a fallout of this one. Oh boy, great! <laughs> you know, like this things that like things that to me that seem weird, like like for instance, this is from my wife's ex- experiences. She's a school teacher, but the ministry brought in this thing that kids couldn't be marked late with their homework so if so you know f- so for lisa or any teacher at school you know like the last week of their school year is just like a hell week because all the kids or not all the kids but many kids will just hand in all their homework at once yeah. and then expect you to mark it all so that it can be on the report card and then but you can't detract any marks from it for being late you know it just and it, it's just like well, why what is the purpose like what is this teaching people it, you know, just to ignore deadlines and, you know, just whatever, you know, this seems weird. It seems like a weird lesson and not, mm-hmm. nothing helpful because what happens when they go on to, to, pub, to, uh, to university, university does not follow these kind of crazy ideas. No, they don't have, they don't have, you know, civil, you know, uh, guys who work in the, in the ministry of education with their pet projects. They just follow the reality, which is if you're late, you're late and you get punished for it accordingly. You know, like whatever the teacher says at the beginning of the year when you start, if you are late, you lose 5% a day. Or if you are late, I will not accept it. Whatever their rules are, you have to abide by them, you know, and you know them. Right. But I'm trying to think when you're saying like the abide by reality, but like university isn't reality. University is prepped for for reality well i mean i mean it's that that's a reality though like when you're in school and the idea that there are no deadlines in life and that Mm -hmm. you people are just going to forgive you for being late 
and shrug it off, you know, and, and, oh, it just, that's okay. Get it in the last minutes, you know, at, you know, like that's not a healthy way for, for people to, and I, I feel like a hypocrite saying this since I'm terrible with deadlines, but <laughs> yeah, that's it's, what I'm thinking too. It's like, it's kind of how I live my life and it's worked out okay. <laughs> but okay, go ahead. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like it's still, you still feel the pressure of the deadline though, even though you, you, it's a terrible, you know, it's a terrible accent it's, over our heads. Except what you're saying there though is in the, you know, they don't get marked if they don't get any points off if they're late. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning yeah. they're okay. But here's the problem with that logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me give you the logic exercise yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I've got a project that needs to be completed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't get any uh, points taken off if I'm late. And uh, the, the final deadline is, uh, you know, like in a year. Mm-hmm. When is my deadline? My deadline is in a year. Yeah. Oh, is my, is my work late? No. My deadline is in a year. Yeah. You just told me there's no consequences for my de- for, for uh, being completed then. Yeah. It's annoying to the person who has to do it. Yes. I'll give you that. It's annoying to Lisa, yeah. but it is not. Uh, the deadline has now been removed yeah, by yeah. the school. So what the kids have learned is <laughs> my deadline is yeah. later. No, no. And, the the teacher still is, the teacher still set dates for handing stuff in. Right, but as long as, but if there's no consequence, so that's the thing, right? Yeah. Then they, yeah. then they have then there isn't a deadline. That's yeah. not a deadline. Yeah. That's a suggestion. Because if there's no consequences, then that's all it is. You're, 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 it's the teacher asking you for a favor. Yeah. And going like, like somebody, could you please just it would really help me out? Uh, and it's like, well, sorry, lady. And it's like, oh, the wow. real the real reason they do this so is that it games the system because right, because it it makes marks look artificially higher than they than they would be if the kids had to follow actual like deadline rules and stuff like that. So, so why do the, why do you want the, why do they want the marks to be higher? Uh, because it looks better like as an overall statistical thing to the rest, whether it's as your country or your province or other provinces or to the Fraser Institute who do their their annual school report card, you know, so you're trying to so that you know the ministry is trying to suck up to those sort of, you know, particularly the Fraser Institute, they're they're very gotcha. they, what's that? I got I got I got you when you're saying that. Yeah. But then again, this is something again, I'm gonna throw the logic thing at you mm-hmm. here. It's like you can, how do you scam a person that knows the scam is exists? Like if they, Well it's if not the them, Fraser it's not the Fraser Institute. They they they, they don't care about they what they want is their marks to look good to the public from the Fraser Institute because that is a that is considered uh, okay. to be so so we're scamming the public. That's right. With these artificially inflated marks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, but parents know there's no deadlines. But when they look at the they look at the the overall you know yearly uh, you know statistical overview, they're not thinking that obviously, right? They're just well, thinking, I would say, I would say like, oh, that's very good. But if I was a, if I was a parent, I'm not a parent. But if I was yeah. a parent. Uh, when I'm looking at those marks, what sure. I care about as a parent yeah. isn't necessarily like because I know how much work my 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 child is probably putting into this. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. But what I care about with the marks is what happens next. Like I want my kid to get into college or university, and so they're going to have to have marks that are a certain amount. Yeah. So to me, if the marks are higher, even if they are artificially inflated, yeah. higher, yeah, that to me helps my child to get into the place. It doesn't really because, uh, you know, a uh, high tide raises all boats. Mm -hmm. So everyone is, everyone's elevated. So it, everyone, so, you know, it's still going to be the, 
it's still going to be the highest high of the high marks, right? It's not going to just, you know, so, so it's, it means nothing. Yeah, okay. it really means nothing, right? Like if, if before it was like 80% will get you in and now everyone's easily getting 80%, they're going to say, well, 90, I guess it has to be 90% because we're getting too many people with 80%. We have no way of, of, right. you know, of, you know, sorting out who's good and who's, who deserves the only way this doesn't. benefits. The only way this benefits is if my child does not go to a local university or college, yeah. but goes to one overseas or to another country. Ugh. Then those artificially raised yeah. and, uh, grades. But then that doesn't uh, matter because if you can afford to pay the incredible amount of money it, it costs to send your child to a school, a university outside of Canada, then you don't care about that stuff anyway because you could just pay the money and they can get in. Well, it wouldn't necessarily have to be a university. It could be a college. Like, I it doesn't could, matter. I could... It's, this huge, it's a huge amount of money to send your kid to like an American school or to go over to go to Europe or whatever, like oh, that's just insane. Like what okay. kids? Like what kids from China pay to? I think they pay like forty thousand dollars a year to go to like go to high school here in Canada as a okay. as a foreign student. Like that's 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 a crazy amount of money mm-hmm. that you're paying. You know, like and that's the same way if you're going to go to university. Like you know, the the uh, a citizen of Canada pays a subsidized amount of money, but a person uh, like a foreign national who who attends, they pay an incredible amount of money to go to school. So I think if you're at that point, you know, you're pretty much <laughs> as long as you can like pass the, whatever cursory exam the school have, even if they have, I don't even know if they have that anymore. Like when I went to UBC a long time ago, 30 plus years ago, um, I had to write a, an English placement exam when I, when I started and you had to pass that exam in order to be able to be accepted by the university. I don't even know if they have that anymore. I don't even know if it's a, valid idea but at the time you know it was you needed to have like some level of english in order to to go to the university what would be the equivalent uh, like i'm trying to think of something like uh if i if i you know if i was going to uh london i'm yes. going to london i want to live in london yeah and it's not necessarily like i want to go to london to go to school in london mm-hmm. but like i just want to live in london england sure uh but i also want to go to school okay. is there an equi- is there an equivalent of like community college in in England, yeah, it's not university, but like you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm, like sure. a Douglas College here or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, where I can just take some courses and you know work my way up to you know some kind of a degree, but not you know I'm not going to I'm not going to like a fancy university, I'm not going to Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, Hogwarts, is not a university. Hogwarts. So you're, so you're you're saying like I don't want to go to Oxford, but I'll go to. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, there are there are. I'm going to Lancashire Community College. Like, does that? Does that exist? Is that a thing that must exist? There must be like you but, know, working like, class people go to school. They don't. But a, all com- go. a community college doesn't give you a degree. I can. It can give you credits that work your way up to where you can get. Yeah, you can. You eventually, ha- like I mean, now, now you, can you transfer over. Yeah. Now they're universities, though, right? Like what used to be a college, like Kwantlen College, is now Kwantlen University. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. But now you pay. You pay the equivalent of going to like a fancy. It's slightly less, right? Like the girls go to University of Fraser Valley. Mm-hmm. for their schooling they pay less there than they would pay say to go to ubc where it's much you know it's more i shouldn't say much more but it's more um what's the word i'm looking for it's you know it's it's more impressive that they have a degree to have a degree from ubc than it is from the university of the fraser valley so it's slightly less but it's still expensive right it still costs you money to go sure sure, sure. i i don't know the exact cost they charge um international students but it it is it is like it's a lot of money. By the way, I, this is this is where having uh, listeners from other countries uh, <laughs> helps us. Helps us, yes. Yeah. So uh, let us know if in the country that you live in, 
what's the deal with community college there? Have they become universities? Uh, and what's it like uh, financially to uh, go to school? Is it ridiculous? Is it like North America ridiculous or uh, what's, it, what's it like? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I think, well, the United States is pretty ridiculous because they don't have subsidized uh, post-secondary education, whereas in Canada we do. So it's, you know, it's, it is much reduced from what it could be. I mean, it's still expensive, but, and it's, it's more expensive than when I went, you know, like when I went to university, I was able to pay for my schooling with a part-time job, mm-hmm. but I don't think, I think that'd be very difficult now, but uh, yeah, it would be difficult now. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I got offered a, a job as an adjunct professor a while back um, t- teaching comedy writing uh, at, at UBC, which, which was a nice kind of feeling because I was never able to, well, first of all, I was happy to go to Douglas college because that was a, that was a college that um, a teacher that I had been taking private lessons for taught at. I really wanted to follow up my studies with her. And also it was a, it was a school that friends of mine could then go to too. And, and it was, it was enjoyable. Uh, and it wasn't that much money and I was paying. Um, but I always had the great regret of like, well, you never went to university. And so it was nice actually being offered a job of like teaching at university. I was like, oh, I can teach the class that I couldn't take. Okay, there's something that's like, hmm, that's that I've done something right. That feels good. Um, but I, I had to turn it down for various uh, uh, reasons, psychological, ethical reasons. Yeah. But one of the things that uh, I always like when I was there uh, sitting in on some of the classes, I just want to stand up and just go, this is a waste of money, guys. You really should <laughs> just do this stuff. Like there's no like I understand why you're here. But uh, honestly, I don't know how much this is costing you, but like, just you can do this stuff now. There's no, that's go, go, but no, that wouldn't have been appreciated. appreciated. I mean, the buildings are gorgeous. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Mm. These are very beautiful buildings. And your, your nude beach is, Uh, but uh, I don't know, guys. Okay. All right. I want to give you all a big hug and uh, that's fine. But of course, there are some things that you need to know from university. And I want my doctor to go to university. <laughs> I was wondering how far you were going to go with this. Um, you don't need to. Yeah, I'm not sure, though, when it comes to uh, a lot of the creative arts and, and whatnot. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. If you want to be an actor, I'm not sure how much theater training you need. I don't know if you need four years of theater training. I don't. I don't know if that's good for you. I don't know if uh, you need that for writing. I just, just yeah. I think well, I kind of feel like like you know, getting like a degree in creative writing and things like that. You're just sort of setting yourself to, up to become a teacher of creative writing, not not a creative writer. Maybe you know, you're like now I can teach creative writing. I don't just. Uh... Well, you're also meeting people who some of you guys are going to make it mm-hmm. in what you're doing. Yeah, and then you've got the contacts, and so. You know, there there is always that kind of social wow. aspect to things that makes sense, but it's not worth this amount of money, whatever this is. <laughs> I always describe uh, university education as a door. So when you get your degree, you have a door that you can open to things that other people can't. You know, and yes, you can. You know, creative creative world's a bit different because opportunities work in a different way. But in terms of you know medical or or whatever you know going on into other disciplines that do require some degree of education. You do need to have that those letters after your name or oh, that you know that yeah. that's what that's what helps you you know and so even even a bachelor of arts you know can help you help you in ways that can give you opportunities that not having it you know 
Bachelor of Arts, I guess, is sort of the modern equivalent of your high school education. I guess it's just because high school education is pretty much worthless as a as a thing to have. You know, like you apply for a job with a high school education, you're going to get you're going to get like the kind of the lowest jobs. You're not going to get you're going to have like a limit. You have there's a ceiling to what you can apply for. You know. Yeah, you either okay. Yeah, if you're being hired by anyone else, that's right. Or you've got to find a way of developing your own job. Well, that's or, it. That's what I mean. Like creative. Yeah. You know, obviously. The creative arts is a little different because the way opportunities work. It's not, it's not work in creative is... arts, but you have to come up with a business idea. Okay, that makes sense, and then sure, build sure. build on that, and then yeah, and go yeah. and go from there. Yeah, you will not be off. You will not be offered. Uh, <laughs> you know, unless, as in the other situation, yeah. uh, your parents' name is on the business. In that, which case, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't. Yeah, hurt. there you are. If it's a successful business, that's. Uh... If your dad has a building and his name's on the side, well, maybe you're going <laughs> to be a greasy weirdo. Maybe that's what you're going to be. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it even can help if you if your dad is high up in a business and you also have, get an MBA that helps you, you know, helps you find a place in that company and you can you can be promoted from there. Yeah, that job, the, the, the UBC job, I always, I always think about because it was a very, very sweet, again, it sounds... It sounds semi braggy when talking about it, but it's it's really actually sincere. And that the person who um, who offered me the job said that I was the only person they could think of that would be able to do it because of the uh, amount of things that are taught in this course hmm. that I've actually done. Yeah. And all of that's that was what kind of got me interested. It was like, oh, oh, okay. If this is something only I can do, then I guess I should look into this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going and checking checking it out. And I actually didn't see them teach that much. I saw other guests and other people uh, teach teach the class, and I thought like, oh yeah, I could I could do this. I could teach this, mm -hmm. and then I like I could teach this, and then I'd just be teaching this, and that would all I'd, I'd be doing. <laughs> I'd be talking about the thing that I do. Yeah, and I'd yeah. be spending most of my day discussing the thing that I do, mm -hmm. but I would not be doing the thing that I do anymore. I don't yeah. think that I'd be able to do both. Yeah, talk about it and then and then do it. Like I don't mind teaching a workshop once or twice uh, a week or something like that. But if this was my full-time job, no, I'm done. I would stop. I would stop uh, be doing the things that I really love to do. Yeah. And it, it, it yeah. scared me because I went like, it's hard to turn this down because it's good money. Good it's money, good dental plan. It's all these things. Health yeah, insurance paid for. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's the job that anyone who's sensible would take. Yeah, yeah. And like I had a, I had a similar job offer a couple of years before and it's weird how this kind of turned around into what it became. But like my editor at uh, Simpsons Comics um, uh, always wanted to do a, a Mad Magazine style magazine. Yeah. And uh, and we were going to do one called uh, based on The Simpsons called Dope. And it would it would be Mad Magazine, but it would be starring The Simpsons. And so we wrote a uh, I wrote a story in The Simpsons comic about how this magazine was to be, and then on the back of the comic. Uh, James Lloyd, our friend who's been on the show, uh, I, I did uh, stories in like a mad style and I wrote them and did a mad, mad magazine style and showed like how you could do parodies with The Simpsons, but like in a, in a different way. And it went it went over it went over OK. And we we had people that were interested in being part of the actual magazine, like Weird Al Yankovic was interested in being part of it. Tom Lennon, who's a very popular uh, comedian and, uh, and writer and some other people who I probably shouldn't say the names of were interested as well. John Lennon. And there were some people that it wasn't John Lennon, but there Vladimir was Ilyich Lennon. Yeah, sure. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but other people that were like, Oh my God, that is something. 
And I got offered the job from Bill of, you know, would you like to be the editor on this? Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, this is, this would be such a huge, and the, the money would have been really great. It would have been like, Ugh. and I, I went like, I could not have done anything else. This would have been it. Yeah. And it just, and it was just this, it was the same feeling of the UBC job, which was this cold, cold <laughs> feeling just going all through me. I'm just like, how could you turn this down? Yeah. You fucking idiot. But also, no, of course not. You know, I would, I would much rather, you know, I would much rather have the, you know, the dizzying highs and lows of not knowing where the next check was coming yeah, from. Yeah. Not this consistent. That's, uh, there's the difference between us, whereas I would probably leap, leap at such an opportunity. Yeah. That just is a fucking nightmare to me. Just, <laughs> and again, it would be like, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm talking comedy ideas with Rudy Yankovic. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like, I don't want to do that. Like, it's all stuff that, that would appeal to me, but it would just be like, you know, I've, I also had an offer once to be an art director for a theater. It was a comedy theater. And it was like, well, this, that would be, oh, no. I, I, no. Like, I could almost see doing it if it was, like, literally for a summer. Yeah. Or something like that. But, like, it, it reminds me too much of the, the time I worked on Street Sense. And I worked there for months. And I worked there for months in Halifax. And it was a full-time job. And I was doing stuff that I really liked. But it was a fucking nightmare. Because it was all I could do. I couldn't do anything else but this job. And and then when I was done, it was like, well, it's time to relax. <laughs> mm, fuck off. I don't want to <laughs> fucking relax. I want to work. I want to do things. I want to make things. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm too exhausted from it. And also the environment I was in, everyone was done because they're all done with their work. And they don't want to jam on anything. They're tired. They've been working all day. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, <laughs> oh. yeah, it's just like, uh, so, so not for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, well, it's just interesting. It takes all types. Did you know that, Ian? I guess so. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, they yeah. say. It takes all types. I mean, I mean, no, I know at the very base, you know, my dad hated his job so much, so the idea of doing a day a day job was just like, nope, mm. no matter what, not doing that. I know that for sure. But these were jobs that weren't necessarily day jobs. They were okay. It's everything you like, but it's regular. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Did, did your dad tell you he, he hated his job or did you just sort of know from his? Um, I would ask him when he came home from work, uh, how was work? And he would go terrible. Oh, really? And sometimes he would go fucking terrible. Huh. And other times awful. And other times don't ask. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. So in that way, I knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I probably should stop asking how he's doing. <laughs> just give him some space. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. My, my dad was, I feel like my dad liked his job, but. Mm. But it's hard to know. He never complained about it. So when he got up in the morning and he was getting ready for work, he was happy about going to work. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. I didn't really see my dad in the morning. Uh, okay. When I was a kid, so I, I, I always, remember how miserable mine was mm, going to work. Like, I was made to go to bed so early as a as a young kid that I would wake up super early. Like I would wake up like five in the morning because my mom made me go to bed at like seven seven thirty. And I should have been going to bed like much later, but she wanted, you know, she just wanted to get rid of us. So she like, you know, I, you know, she had three boys. I don't blame her for like wanting some peace and quiet, but you know, the, the, the suffering was you went to bed so super early and right. then I would wake up so early in the morning and I would just, I would have nothing to do. I would, you know, I would make breakfast and I would go downstairs and I would eat a cereal watching the news with Charles Kuralt because <laughs> <Yep>. I didn't... <laughs> There's nothing else to do. And I knew that like 
Captain Kangaroo had started at a certain point. And so I would just watch the show that was on before it, which was the news with Charles Kralt, and I would just eat my breakfast. And then I would, you know, watch um, uh, Captain Kangaroo and then J.B. Patches and then go to school. But but I would always set the table for my mom and dad because I felt like if I did that, then they wouldn't get mad at me for not eating at the table. And it, mm-hmm. it was like an unspoken contract between us. They didn't know that they had agreed to this, but I, I had... It was in my mind, it was like, this is like a trade-off. I will set the table, which we had to do anyway when we were kids. We had to set the table for dinner and, and for breakfast and stuff. But So I would just set everyone's place, place, table's place. And then I would go down, I would make my breakfast because no one was up. So I would just have been eating by myself in front, at the table. So I would just go downstairs and, and watch TV. But yeah, so I never really... And then when I was older, I, you know, I was a teenager and I would, I would s- sleep to the last possible minute then as a teenager and, and then you know, only get up when it was absolutely necessary but I don't, I, I, you know, I, I remember like, I remember a friend describing my dad as a good time Charlie, which I told him, <laughs> which I told him he didn't appreciate, but I don't think, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? But I don't think my dad, I don't think he meant it in a bad way. I think he meant that my dad was like in a good mood kind of a person. Like he didn't seem like a crabby dad, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, that's, I think kind of a telltale sign. Like, how are you in the morning going to work? Are you like a miserable fucker or are you like... Are you in a pretty good mood because you're going to work and you know you like you like your job enough that it's not a punishment for you to to have to go to work. You know, I'm sure if my dad had a choice, you know, and if he could have won a million dollars and not gone to work, he would have said that's that's fine, but he never seemed to complain about it. If anything, he seemed more unhappy coming home than he ever did leaving, so. Oh, that's interesting. And so yeah, it's just I think uh, I think yeah, that's obviously like shaped how we approach and also my fact that my parents were like really you know really like drove home the idea of you know like have you have to have a steady job it's very important otherwise you will die you will just lay in a ditch and you will die there you know because there's just no way that you know doing what you're planning to do will ever get you any money and then you will just die so you know when you hear that a lot then you you kind of internalize that sort of criticism and even if you don't believe it even if you think oh well that's silly that's not going to happen. It's still, you still internalize it and it's hard to like conquer the, that fear that you're just going to die. Right. So, so like, I, you know, I, I've sort of thought that my whole life where I want to be in the arts, but I know that it's very unsafe to do that. And so it makes me very nervous. The idea of like, so I, you know, my, so I have to have like a real job. Otherwise I will die. I'll just starve to death. And, and so, you know, I have to have these series of jobs that aren't, and aren't great jobs. And, and that's partly why I'm not that ambitious in those jobs, because they're not my dream job. I'm just working there to make some money to help my family. But it's not really what I want to do. I'm just doing that in order to make money. So I don't really have any ambitions. I'm not like, I'm going to be the best, you know, person who works in a medical supply company ever. I mean, I am that way anyway, just because I... I'm a conscientious person, but I'm not, it's not, I'm not doing it in order to become company president. I'm just doing it because it's my job and I just do my job to, to the best that I can. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it wasn't like my dream to like move up in the world of, of that or, or any job I had, you know, I didn't dream of becoming the best farrier, you know, I'm going to become, I'm going to become well known for how good my shoes are. Like, you know, I just never didn't think that way. I mean, I did a good job. I did a really good job as a farrier, but I, you know, I had no dreams of becoming like well known in the low, the lower mainland, or competing with other farriers and in, in farrier ex- exhibitions I, I don't and think stuff. Successful people feel that way. 
Like, I don't think that's a successful mindset. Like the people I know who mm. are very successful, yeah. I don't see them as like going like, I'm going to be the best at the best of the, this. No, they no, just, but that's what, do I, the thing and no, no, do no. The... yeah, yeah. But I just mean like in terms of when I'm working jobs that aren't arts, you know, like, yeah. like I don't think in the arts that way at all. But I mean, in terms of like, I mean, I think there are people who get a job like, with a company and their dream is to advance to some position that's higher than they, you know, their dream is to get like more money. So their dream is to like advance to where you're no longer say working in the warehouse, you advance to some sort of middle management and then you're set because you're getting your middle management, you're getting better money and you know, you, you can get a better car, you can pay down, you can get a house, whatever, you know, whatever your plan, your dreams are. Yeah. And I just never, and the, and the idea is that you get more freedom that way, but maybe you do and maybe you don't. Yeah. Well, you don't. yeah, you don't know. You know, but every job I worked, you know, like I, I pretty much like avoided um, promotion because I didn't want to like take on more responsibility because that's not what I wanted from that job. I just wanted to do a simple, no pressure job and take the money from it and then do stuff that I want to do on the side mm -hmm. as much as that was possible. But really it's, it's, you know, it's, it really is like a hard uh, thing to to mix like working full time with family and all the rest of those sort of things and a life and then also do art you know as is your dream and it's you know it's very hard to do that as every, everyone knows everyone who's anyone knows that i i guess when you're talking about the gonna die uh thing something <laughs> something i there was there's a couple of moments that made me go oh one was just seeing that he hated his job uh, that was like, okay, so yeah, I don't, yeah. uh, I don't want to have a job that I have to go out and work all the time and then come back and like hate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also my dad had like uh, high blood pressure and ulcers and all these physical things yeah. that were stress related. And sure, I was getting, yeah. I was getting them too in school because I was going through a lot of shit back then, mm -hmm. but like, uh, I wasn't going through, I didn't have an ulcer, but, uh, not, not, not on my way to one. But like I saw, I saw that like oh, him doing his job is unhealthy. His doing his job is hurting his body, and it's like you know he's not able to eat the foods that he wants to eat. Uh, it's giving him really bad stomach aches. It gives him stressful headaches. Yeah. Uh, the relief that he gets is like go taking naps, you know, which is just kind of escaping things. And I'm like, okay, so the the it's not just that he dislikes the job. The job is also unhealthy. Mm. And and there was a time once when he just told me. Um, that he didn't have any friends. Just mention like, you know, because I've mentioned something about like, I lost a friend of mine over this and he went, well, so big deal. I don't have any friends. He said it in that casual way. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, I, and I'm fine. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're not. That's not good at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in a situation where I have no friends. And I guess like you're so exhausted from your work that you, you don't, like I don't, I, 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 I did think at the time, like how would, how would he make friends? What would he do? You'd have to be interested in something. Go out and do it and meet people. And it's like all the things that I was doing, you know, little plays or sketches or whatever, I would I would, I would, would meet people and those would become my friends, if only temporarily, and then I'd move on to another thing. But at least I'm meeting people. But like, Jesus Christ, like no friends. Oh, God. So, yeah, all these things like connected to me to every time that I um, see like a regular job, those things come flooding, flooding in. And I do see death and loneliness and, and, and anger. <laughs>
Yeah, they just come the you know it's like three horsemen of the apocalypse mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. keep just ride in immediately, and I go like, "Where's the fourth one? You are the fourth one." <laughs> oh damn it! I knew it. Oh. That's the trick. It's always that's the trick. Never ask where the fourth one is because you're gonna look between your legs and there's gonna be a fucking horse. <laughs> and you're like, Damn it! I'm pestilence. Then the music the music will go do 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 do. Yeah, and then you're on a merry-go-round. Like, what's this mean? <laughs> what does this mean help yeah now i gotta get i gotta get over a little bit of that though because there's some stuff coming up that i need to be more regular on okay figure that out yeah Mm -hmm. i gotta Mm -hmm. i gotta figure that out without making it an official (laughs) like i don't want to be i don't want to be crazy and like get up for a nine to five job let's not get let's not go nuts yeah yeah but uh something fairly regular sure 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 once once the uh once the uh, the weirdness that is everything around us <laughs> goes away, yeah, this is the thing. It's like it feels like there's just been this giant act break. This just big, like the the, the big word uh, intermission just came up, you know, in the middle of the movie, and then and the music started playing. We're like, when's this music gonna stop? I don't know, man. It's hopefully soon. <laughs> and it's like, okay, when the intermission sign goes down again. We got to start taking some shit more seriously. We got to figure some stuff out and take a little bit more control of things. And yeah, it's it's been a real perspectiver uh, this these last two years, hmm. but especially especially this year. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's funny that you said so. Um, this uh, you kind of hinted at. I thought I just wanted to clarify. Now, are you a person who, when given a deadline, will come in exactly at, at that deadline or do you try to come in a little earlier or well it depends what the job is if you're okay. uh if you're a sucker and you here's the thing if okay. uh do yeah. the people know who's the you sucker are, who's the sucker you're, you're a sucker if you give them the, the 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 thing too early okay because because they will then be often if they don't know you yeah um or even if they do know you they will be prejudiced against that and just go this came in really fast. They didn't put any work in on. It. Oh, okay, okay. Even though I, even though I'm a very, very fast worker, like I'm very fast. That, yeah. that was like when I when I started off as a writer, that was always my thing. And when I worked on at Street Sense, I'd have an eight hour day. I'd be done before the hour was up, first hour. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd just be like having a fake doing stuff because if I handed <laughs> my thing in, they just go, "We'll work on this more." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'd look like I'm a jerk and I'm like, no, no, I got it done. Um, so you got. <laughs> So yeah, if you're handing in your deadline too early, yeah, you're making yourself a sucker. One, because they're going to judge it too harshly. Yeah. Also, maybe they've got more time now to give you more notes. Mm. Maybe, mm. maybe that's not your best bet. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. the next thing that you they're going to give you a shorter amount of time because like this guy can do it in like three days. Why are we giving him a, a month? We should give him three days to do it. Now you've like ugh. Now I've got to work harder than anybody on this stuff. So. I will try to get it in uh, before the deadline, like well before the deadline, but not to the point where it looks like I've rushed it, but I have probably finished it quite early. The only times that I will do the op- hand it in early is if then I can get more work and uh, and 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 that will benefit me in that way. Yeah, even that yeah. you got to really play it play it safe because <laughs> you know if it looks like oh, he's just cranking it out, he doesn't care. You got to be careful psychologically. Huh. How about how about yourself with deadline? Oh, I'm terrible. The worst. The worst ever. Why is that? I don't know. I've always been that way. As a kid, I was. I think I mentioned that. I 
I have a shirt. I probably can't fit into it now. I was a little while ago. I could fit into it from like, I should have got it in grade six. It's quite tight, but I was able to wear it. But um, it was so it was like some sort of thing my parents gave me about procrastination. So obviously, I at that time I was a well-known procrastinator, and I always have been. I always I th- I would have done well. I would have done very well with that um that rule of like the new thing of not get not being marked down for being late because uh, I was. A lot of really good things I handed in got very bad marks just because I came in late, you know. And I tend to, I mean, it's kind of sad to say, it, but I tend to work better with a with a deadline looming rather than with uh, nothing happening. I, sure. I prefer like the. It just seems to kind of clarify your mind to have a, you know. But and, and but it doesn't work for me to like set my own deadlines or set like fake deadlines to be like, okay, I got to get this done by such and such. <laughs> You're not fooling me, Dave. You can't fool yourself, Dave. You're too smart for that. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know what it, I don't know what the I don't know what the underlying psychology of procrastination is though. Like I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like I think I think part of it's you don't get judged, you know? Like you you if you you know like or a fear of judgment anyway. So then if you put it off, you you don't have to worry about being marked down or being judged for what you've handed in at least up till the very last minute. But also I think I do tend to have like it seems like I have I don't know I'm, I'm I think people who procrastinate also fool themselves so you say things like I think I work better under pressure you know what if you worked as normally I'm sure you'd work just the same but you fool yourself into thinking you know it could that be you, an artificial boost of adrenaline yeah it could, yeah. Be, a, it could be artificially boosting yourself mm-hmm. yeah but are you really working better or are you just working the same only faster with with a little well, more carelessness I mean, <laughs> and what is and what is better yeah well there you go I mean, I mean something something that I that I do uh, like I've got. Uh, let's see what have I got right now on this computer open right now. I've got five uh, Word documents in the little corner down here. Yeah. And each of them I'm working on a little bit at a time. But like if I was doing a deadline deadline, I do the thing that I stole from Jaime Hernandez, whereas he will, when he's doing his pages, his drawings for yeah. like Love and Rockets, yeah. he will draw the panels he likes the most. Like mm-hmm. he will draw the fun panels first. Or yeah. he might draw something he doesn't like to draw, but get it done. Yeah. So So when he's looking at his pages, they're unfinished. And and that's different than looking at a blank page. Okay. Looking at an unfinished page, yeah. you're like, oh, I can't finish that page. Blank <laughs> page, how could I do this? It's ridiculous. That's just, oh, I'm looking at uh, eternity, infinity, oh my God. But like if you're looking at like a, you've already written maybe the last paragraph uh, or the last page of what you have to do, and you've written the first page, all right, I just got to fill in the middle. I just got to get that through. And you might even rewrite the ending anyway. You probably will if you're yeah. Yeah. doing it all the way through but that's usually what i end up doing uh-huh. as i'll as i'll as i'll i know the tricks that will trick me and the tricks that will mm. trick me are uh, i'll just get annoyed that like parts aren't done yeah and I'm like gotta fill it in gotta fill it in but uh but yeah i can see that the adrenaline of like the deadline over your shoulder going <laughs> it's not super healthy you know whatever works works but that's probably not the healthiest no, you can, ach- no, you can achieve that with like a nice cup of uh, hot chocolate. That will give you energy as well, maybe more pleasant. <laughs> nice Coke, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you know, I was, yeah, it just depends. I mean, I'm, I do procrastinate, but I do try to. I also try to like not fall into my own pathologies. You know, when I, in my my, I have lots of creative pathologies that I can fall into. So I do try to ignore those. I think doing this podcast has been very good for for. I wouldn't say it takes them away, but it's been a very good way to sort of unlearn a lot of bad creative habits that I had developed over time. 
Right. This is something where you just have to do it, you know, like, or at least that's how I'm convinced anyway. Yeah, you, I think you're talking, sorry, I think you were even talking about that on Fansplainers or or, or Sneaky Dragon, where it was something that you were very proud of was that you've never skipped an episode of, you know, the podcast. And I can get, I totally get that from your side of things. And for me, it's like, yeah. That's nice. I mean, what I'm I'm happy about with the podcast is reaching people and them writing back to us and and connections and some friendships that we made. And of course, the sheer amount of chocolate we get from Australia. (laughs) Let's just say that's the best part of it. I mean, those are very pleasing to me, but I don't know if I'm proud of that. You're not proud of Australian chocolate? No, I mean Australia should be proud. Australia should be proud of their chocolate. I, I'm just happy oh, to yeah. eat it. I'm I'm proud. It's in my yapper in uh, North America, and it's like, how did I? How did this caramel koala get to this beach in Canada? Yeah, it got to this beach because I told some dumb jokes on a podcast, and now <laughs> I've got chocolate. See, cause and effect. This all works for me. See, this this my dad didn't have that. No one <laughs> no one gave him like delicious Australian chocolate when he got home. Yeah. Nope. No, sir, Bob. But that's sort of more the answer to the question, what makes you happiest about doing the podcast or what makes you happiest about things that you've done? And I mean, one of, and I would say one of my happiest things is, yes, the people like sort of meeting through comments and through, you know, through the, the show, meeting people. Like, I feel like I know in a way people from all over the world through, you know, the way we've sort of communicated uh, through the podcast, either them listening to us and responding or or them sending us things, whatever. Those are all ways that we've connected to people, you know, through through time. And that makes me very happy. But but yeah, but I'm proud about the fact that we have, you know, and I guess because I'm a person that has terrible follow through. So to me, the fact that we have done this uh, consistently through, over time, you know, for almost nine years now, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, you know. So well, the nice thing, the nice thing about that, and I'd say that, again, this is more you than me. Mm-hmm. Me uh, is that no one can take away from the like. There's no okay. Someone can go, "Hey, I heard your podcast. Stupid." Like <laughs> someone can say that, right? Yeah. And you go like, hmm, "Fair, fair dinkum." Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> fair dinkum. Are you Australian? And do you have any <laughs> no, but but what someone can't take away from you is just like the math of it. Yeah, yeah. I've done how many episodes? We've done 459 episodes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And like, like more than an hour each. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. It is. That is a sheer number <laughs> that you cannot argue with. Yes. How many years? This many years. Whoa. Years I cannot argue with either. That is also math. <laughs> So, that's all I asked for. You can't argue. That's right. right. You can't argue with math. So you go like, you have done a lot of work. Yeah. Yes, good for you. And then there is the benefit of people like it and this, that, and the other. Yeah. To me, the thing that I like the most about that is that we've done something, because I'm the guy who's like, I like something that's new and putting something new in the world that doesn't already exist. And I think that the show that we do is something that no one else could do. This show, even though it is still two white guys yapping, <laughs> um, I think the perspectives that we bring uh, are different than other podcasts I've heard. And it can only be us. Mm-hmm. This can only be us. And we have done a show that only we can do. And, you know, the, if we've just done 50 of them, fine. If we, if, if we do, if we do like a thousand of them, great. <laughs> to me, the, the to me, the, 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 the happiness and joy that that, uh, that that brings me would be probably about the same because it's the, the achievement is the same. Mm-hmm. We've created something that is unique 
that we put out there that people have responded to. Excellent. But yeah. I understand how math is beautiful because <laughs> you cannot argue with it. No one can take that away from you. No one can go, no, it was 300. No, I can prove to you it was like 400. <laughs> oh, well, you've won that argument. Yeah. Sir, I doff my hat to you. I Well, like I say, I think it's, for me, it's more, you know, have, spending a lifetime of fighting creative roadblocks and things that I, you know, and self-sabotaging and stuff like that to do something so consistently and regularly over time and to have not in some way, you know, uh, through sheer perversity, driven the car into a ditch, mm -hmm. you know, something to be, uh, pat myself on the back about, I think. Uh, Did you care about perfect attendance in school? Um, I don't think I ever thought about it, to be honest with you. Okay. It's never something that like, was like, you like, okay. So that's not, that's not a factor. Because you've got perfect attendance on this podcast, <laughs> right? But that's not what it's about, really. I don't. Really, no, no, but yeah. it is. A, but it is true. Though. Yeah, it yeah. Is something, yeah, know, yeah. And no one can take away. No one can take that away from you. No, no. I would have been happy to miss school. Like I would have been happy to to be sick and stay home from school. Like that was perfectly pleasurable. Yeah. But I could not pretend to be sick and miss school. I could not do that. Ah. Like I did not. I did not enjoy skipping out of school because I did not. I did not enjoy the feeling that it gave me to miss school. Because I mean, I felt guilty and 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 bored actually, and so um, but yeah, like I remember one time being really sick one night and thinking, oh, this, I feel so terrible. But at least I'll miss school tomorrow because I'll be sick tomorrow too, and that'll be great. And then I woke up in the morning and I felt fine. And I was like, well, sc screw this. But I, you know, I had to go to school because I felt fine. I couldn't, I couldn't justify not going to school. You know, like that's. But it, but it was nothing to do with the perfect attendance, or whatever. It was just you know the sort of built in or taught sense of diligence that i that i have i mean i'm still that way at work i mean i i have never missed a day from being sick at work you know i'm, I'm gonna throw this out too as a difference between you and me mm -hmm. is that i think i i think in my mind i because you know school was so bad for me mm -hmm. uh that i went like oh this is bullshit <laughs> yeah. and i went like okay school's bullshit so it doesn't matter if i lie to get out of school because it's bullshit mm -hmm. so i'm ethically justified let me check by the way the ten commandments <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um, thou shalt not lie but anyway i'm but... not coveting anything Here you're bearing go. false witness but that's I okay am, i am bearing false witness fair enough um <laughs> but uh because i i felt that this there was this giant structure yeah and 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 basically all this, School was society to me. Mm -hmm. School was who laid down the rules. School was who enforced the rules. Yeah. School was, you know, who I had to answer to aside from my parents. But for the most part, it was school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this school is, are, are, is the institution and they're full of shit. And I, and, I, and, I, and I thought that even more as I went through like junior high school and high school, I'm like, okay, this is bullshit. I can leave anytime I want because I'm doing stuff that's more important. Yeah. And I feel that I carry that on then into the workplace. Yeah. Whereas anytime I go into a job, like I would work in the comic store, uh, I worked at a store called the Comic Box, which you know, uh, but the, the boss that was there was trying to start a little freaking cult. Like in the room next to me, and I was like, "Oh, well, this is bullshit." So, so it doesn't matter what I do in this job. I know people I know are coming in and stealing chocolate bars. I feel bad about that. But who fucking cares? Because this is bullshit. Because the guy's trying to scam uh, mums uh, out of their money over here for like some kind of guru fucking shit. That's <laughs> bullshit. So it doesn't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I think I carried that almost to the same when I worked uh, doing voices for robots. That guy was full of shit. Yeah, it's full of shit. And so it doesn't fucking matter. And I think I, I think I carried that to every job I've had. Because every job I can see, like, well, even if they're trying their best, 
they're full of shit. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. So I shouldn't really fully commit to this job <laughs> because they're full of shit. And at some point this is going to collapse because they're full of shit. And it's, and that was the case with, you know, the improv company I was with. That was the case with the CBC. Almost everything I've done at the CBC at some point has been like full of shit and falling apart. Yeah. Just it's uh jobs are full of shit. They're bullshit. So, so I, I'm not going to fully commit to it. Maybe yeah. that's part of my, fear for fully committing to anything, I'd go and I'd start working at UBC and then go, oh, it's the whole system is shit. Like, I smelled it already. I felt like, I shouldn't be scamming these kids out of this money. Yeah. Ugh, so I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. So on and so forth. But then, and then with the dough thing, uh, I ended up working for Mad Magazine anyway because the guy became the, the editor of Mad Magazine. So I got to work for Mad Magazine for two years. So that all worked out in the end. So yeah, it was, it was, it was good that that didn't happen. No, that's that's interesting. I mean, I thought school was was a, I mean, from the earliest age, I thought school was a was a was a. I never liked school. At the education part of school, I, I regarded as a, as a as a joke. But I liked the social part of school. You know, that was always what I enjoyed. I enjoyed lunchtime. I enjoyed recess. I enjoyed playing with friends and stuff like that. And it seemed like that was a place to meet and play with people, you know, like sure. school yeah. was like the best place for that. Like, that's why I like being in band because band was a class you could talk to other people in and, and, and make connections and stuff like that with people. And, and so I, I'm sure drama would have been that too, but I, I chose, I chose music over acting. Yeah. I think that was uh, just really quick is like, because I, I was doing so badly in school, I was getting beat up every day and, 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 and teachers were worried about me. Yeah. They hooked me up with a, a Green Thumb uh, theater class, and I started taking theater workshops when I was like thir 12, 13. Mm -hmm. uh, I think 12. Yeah. And once that happened, I, what you're saying makes sense because like my social life then became theater, mm -hmm. which was like, oh, these are all people who are doing stuff that I agree with more who don't think I'm a huge nerd in the same way that they do at school who aren't going to beat me up. Yeah. Like to the point where it would be ridiculous to, to, for any of these kids to beat me up. That's just ridiculous. Cause this feels like this is the real world and school is like a prison fucking yard. <laughs> and like, and school is the prison yard where the guards have just gone. What am I going to fucking do? Stop them from beating them up. What can I do? I don't know. Stop them from beating them up. Man, eh, what can I do though? Stop it. No, what are you going to do? Quit it. Make them not do that. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? Okay, I'm just going to go <laughs> to this other world that I know exists. Yeah. Where yeah. and also, let me just say as a side note, uh, people are much more attractive. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's mostly actors, and they're pretty good looking. Yeah. And they yeah. all seem to like me. Just so have that I'm going for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 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 right. But um... you, you, you sucked me back with sketch comedy, though you <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> But there, that's just another example of where, you know, I just made school more bearable for myself. You know, like, like school, like when I was in junior high or senior high school, I mean, I like, as soon as I could, as soon as I figured out, like, I, I like, like withdrew from like normal school as quickly as I could. I went into the graphics career prep program. I stopped having to take science stuff. You know, I just, all I had to do was English and socials. I didn't have to take any other uh, academic courses at all there. And yeah, like I just, you know, I just figured, oh, this is a good way to game the system. Like I had no problem with that part of it. It's just that, you know, I just had like, you know, I was just very much, you know, a, a sense. And when my first job, I thought was like, when I look back at my first job, which was working in a parking lot, you know, like I 
me and other people there, we like complained so much about that job. We we had a, a binder. We're supposed to write incident reports in it. It just became like this long anti-company screed full of like dirty jokes and drawings and, and you know, re- uh, recountings of, of, you know, uh, you know, whatever. We're just, it was just full of like 20 year old boys, a sense of senses of humor, you know, and you know, we call, you know, we had like our own pet name for the company, which was an insult. And but though when I look back, I'm like, man, that was like great money I was making for doing nothing. I mean, I had a health plan there. It was a union, union job. It was pretty good. You don't get those every day. But, you know, we just complain at the time because, you know, you're young. You don't know what is good or bad, you know. So you're just like, this company's screwing us, blah, blah, blah. We hate it here. But I still showed up on time every, every, my, every shift and worked you know, as, as diligently as I could and did, did my job, you know, but that didn't mean that I was, I was sold on the, the job. Right. So I think it's just sort of curious. Like it, it's, I mean, I know my dad is a very cynical person, so I have a lot of his, his cynicism in me, you know, like he never, he didn't like the government. He didn't like, you know, he always, he always would sort of, didn't matter who it was, whether it was conservative or liberal, he would always like, you know, dismiss whoever was prime minister or whoever was whatever as, you know, just a crook or, you know, they're, they don't know anything or, you know, you know, and that kind of like rubs off on you as a kid, right? You're like, oh, okay, that's government. Government's a bunch of people who yeah. are just out to screw you and don't know anything. I get it. Okay, that's fine. And that's kind of, I kind of carry that with me still, right? Like that's just part of my, my upbringing. And so, but, you know, even though you're cynical, you still have like this, I was also taught, you know, this idea of work ethic and things. So, you know, even though my work ethic was like completely redundant because my parents would redo all my efforts. So that was like, <laughs> it's very strange, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's still there in me, you know? So I, even if I, like I say, all the jobs that I do, I have no emotional connection to them other than, you know, they pay me. Like I don't, there's no pride in it necessarily. I guess there's a bit of pride where I am now. I shouldn't say there's no pride. There's pride. There's pride. Well, I mean, glad, you, you have to have that in the job. Otherwise, it would just be unbearable, I think. Well, I'm glad you have uh, this podcast, hopefully, to be proud of. So you got that going on. I am proud of it because we've done 459 episodes in a row. That's right. That's math. You can't take away from that. <laughs> can't take that away from me. Yeah, we, it's almost 500. I also, think they're pretty, I also think they're pretty good quality. Sure, sure, sure. But the math is the more important aspect <laughs> of it. That cannot be argued with. That cannot be <laughs> no, it's not that so much. It's I think it, for me, it's it's more a personal achievement where, you know, for someone who his whole life dreamt of doing something and it never really worked out the way I, I dreamt of it, this has been, uh, you know, a really successful creative venture. So that's something to be proud of, you know. And part of that, part of that, success is to me is always being there for the listeners you know like people who like the show when you know when it comes to saturday or sunday depending how late i put out the show uh you know they it's a regular part of their week and so they look forward to the show being there and if it wasn't you know if we were just like you know come see come saw like we'll get it out if we can if not you know we won't come out this week maybe we'll do it next week we're not sure yet you know like that's that's not a great attitude for for I think for for a show so you know there's something no and I do and I do try uh, try my best when we're on here there's a, there's a couple of things with like different podcasts we do one I do try to bring something new to it and there's times where I I, I have been doing podcasts and I've gone uh, like one of our spinoff podcasts and just gone like 
I, I don't know why we're doing this one. I'm not sure the reason. Like, literally, <laughs> literally I don't know the reason. I'm like, does this do anything? Does this mean? I mean, it's it's probably entertaining what we're saying. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't get the reason behind this. Like the Beatles, <laughs> the Beatles one. Yes. Yeah. I got like, okay. Yeah. I'm not a Beatles fan. You're a Beatles fan. You've got all, you this passion for the Beatles. Yeah. You're getting this all out. I'm going, you know, the problem I had with the Beatles was this, and I, this I like, and this I don't, and this is like, okay, well, we've got, the, we've now got a discussion going, we've got a thing, yeah. there's a the reason for this, and also our friendship enters into it as well, and it's it's interesting, and it's also historical, got it. <laughs> and then there's sometimes where I'm doing a podcast, and like like the movie one, and I'm just like, I don't know, are we just going through a Wikipedia page? I <laughs> don't know what the reason for this is, and I honestly don't, and I'm just like, oh, i got to find a reason for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the angle on this, mm. man? Uh, and yeah, so I'm a little, I'm a little flippity floppity sometimes with that. But I've had, I've had that in the past with other podcasts we've done. Uh, and and then gone, okay, so the ones that I'm like, aha, about are the ones where yeah, we have had the yeah, huh, yeah. You know, this is this is the reason we're doing it. And also, I don't think anyone else, even though people have done a lot of Beatles podcasts, I don't think anyone's done a Beatles podcast like we did. And I don't think anyone's done a Tintin. Yeah, a good one. <laughs> There you go. That's the. That's no, the I know. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I think. Yeah, I mean, okay. I've tried to do. I, I want to do like an improv podcast at some point, probably, probably on my own or in some way. But I'm just like, I've listened to others and just gone like, well, what's the angle? Yeah, man? don't do it. Like, this is dead weight. Well, no, it'd be fine because actually, <laughs> we could do it in the in the flip in the flip way of just like you know of improv, but you haven't really done improv. Yeah, but you, yeah. Right, you've seen true. a lot of it through different eras. Mm-hmm. Like you've done an improv scene with Ryan's style, you know, because you came to a workshop that's and, that, true. That's true. and that was normal to you yeah. that Ryan Styles was sitting in the room and he like slapped you on the shoulder and just went, come here, join me on stage. And you went, okay. And you went and you, and you did, did a thing and we did some stuff. Yeah. And it was like, that's normal that we're all sitting together. It's like, yeah, you were around for the history of all this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. could, that could be, that could be an angle. That could be a reason. It's not quite there yet. But, you know, yeah, just trying to, trying to think of, like, a way of going about it, a mm-hmm. way of doing it. What's yeah. The, what, what's the perch? Yeah. And I, get, I, I take it you're talking about fans planners. Oh, uh, I think I mentioned. Yeah. The movie, <laughs> I, said, I said the movie, the movie one. We did. Yeah, know, yeah. I was just joking. Uh, like, but, well, I like this. I like this week's that we that we had. Because yeah. Yeah. We had uh, we had a film that was weird. Mm. And so uh, we had to both bring our own perspectives. In. Sure. And that was. Yeah. 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 And I and do so think that, I do think we do that sometimes. Sometimes it's I don't know. It's it is sort of come see come saw as I've already used that term. It's. It is sort of uh, sometimes so-so, and or sometimes it's hard to bring something to it. My favorite ones are ones where we we kind of fix it mm-hmm. in our own minds, anyway. That we we uh, make little story improvements and things that feel like they would make that makes a difference, you know. Well, I think okay. Now, this, if I'm being completely sincere, and what the hell, why not? The the ones the sincere. ones. Yeah, we're reviewing now a, a podcast that we're doing on our other podcast. <laughs> um, the the, the our, ones our where note taking session. Yeah, the ones where it's kind of gone a little bit. It's been like where I've suggested something mm-hmm. and gone like, yeah, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen that. And your attitude towards that is either one of like whatever, and I'm like, okay, well, there's not much I can do with that. <laughs> or, or two, uh, where you go like. Yeah, I just like to watch a movie and just watch it. <laughs> and I don't like to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, this is the wrong podcast. We do this podcast. Well, um, I, I don't mean I don't mean it that way. When I say that, I, I 
I like to watch a movie. I like to watch a movie without second guessing the movie. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So when I'm watching it, I'm just. You like it when we fix a movie, but you don't like. Yeah, I like to do it after. Like I like to watch it. I like to just watch the movie. Then I then I sit. Then I you know I don't sit down, but I'll think about it afterwards. Like I'll be doing something and I'll be going going through the movie and I'll be like thinking to myself, why didn't I enjoy that movie? Like what made that movie not work for me? You know. So say I went and saw New Mutants this week. Yes. So there are parts of the movie that did not work for me, and so you know when I'm when I'm at work. And I'm just by myself working, which is a lot of my day. I'll be thinking to myself, why didn't that movie work for me? What, where, where do I think they made mistakes that that kind of didn't reach me in elements of the film? Like, what made it feel small rather than big? What made it feel whatever, you know? And so then I'll I'll think about it that way. But when I'm watching it, I just want to watch the movie. So that's often why I'll for the movies we do for fan planners lately because we've been watch, doing them at home. It's been kind of nice because I can watch it twice. And I'll watch it just once it's sitting there, then I'll watch it again and take notes on it. Mm-hmm. And so because I found that the notes or the plot outlines are kind of unreliable that we've that we've been using. Uh, just because people are doing it for memory most cases, I think. Right. They're just kind of giving a quick plot summary. But and I feel like sometimes we need more, like we need to have more detail. Yeah, Wikipedia's been letting us down. Yeah, yeah. They make mistakes and things and you're like, Oh, I don't think that's right. And so yeah, it's just better to to do it yourself, I think. And and so, yeah, so so that kind of gives you like, and so when I'm doing it there, yeah, I'm trying to think, but I don't like to, like when I'm watching a movie, I don't, I, off, I sometimes I might, but I don't often go, oh, this character is walking in this doorway. I bet you there's, this is going to happen when he goes through this doorway. And the, like, I don't really do that. I just watch the movie. Like I don't, my mind isn't jumping ahead of the plot. It's not creating a movie of its own running parallel to the film. I'm just enjoying the the spectacle or just enjoying the experience of the film. If that makes sense to you. It does make sense. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause I know that you are a little, di- you're different than me because when you're watching mm-hmm. a film, you are often sort of your writer's mind is, is racing with the film as well. And you are, you're sort of anticipating things and then you're disappointed if what you're anticipating is falls short of what you thought they were going to do. And so then awesome. but, but I'm going to say actually the opposite sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's nice because I think like, oh, oh, I bet they're going here. And then when they don't, I'm like, oh, that's a plot that's available now to me. And I can write it down because they didn't do it. That's good too. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that great. has yeah. happened yeah. more than once. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So for me, you know, like what I like about a movie is the story. That's to me is the most important part of a film. And, you know, and some films will just give you spectacle. And not and and kind of hang it on a clothesline of a of a story, but it doesn't really work altogether. And it feels like, and it's weird to me that you go and see a movie that costs millions and millions of dollars, and you can see that they didn't finish the story. Yeah, they they didn't do that final run through. They didn't hand it off to someone and say, "Read this." And does it make sense to you? Like, does everyone's motivations make sense? Do the do their reactions to this make sense? Are they are they human beings or are they constructs that the author is just pushing through this story to get to the ending and they have no autonomy as characters you know like these are all things that i look for when i'm when i'm watching a film and because and that's you know like when the story fails the movie fails for me it's funny when you mentioned the uh the amount of money a movie costs Mm -hmm. because to me again we were talking a little bit about you know that i've seen a lot of 
uh, student films mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because I know people do them, and so I have to go to uh, nights sometimes that has a lot of student films. Yeah. And but the it doesn't matter the budget on your movie if the budget is like ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. This human nature is so the same that the same flaws will appear. Uh, uh, just writ small or writ large. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll yeah. still be the same unfinished story or yeah. like. Why does the woman have no lines? Yeah. Why does that character still exist in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, no, you think that's clever. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> you're only saying this line because you're going to you're setting up what you're going to say at the end. Mm. And it's going to be like, well, then maybe that's the way the world is. Like, <laughs> oh, no, because it sounded so unnatural before. And so it clunks now. Okay, fine. Yeah. It is, Big movies it, and small movies, mm -hmm. they have a lot of the same flaws. And I guess it's just, you know, it can be, yeah, it can just be, you're, I mean, you're right. It just could be a bit of obtuseness on the part of the the writer or director where they just can't see the the, the glaring flaw that seems so obvious to you as the as the viewer where you're just like why is that you know yeah but big, it's also big, equally fun to watch a very good movie that knows just runs through all the changes right in front of your eyes and it's so magical when it all works and that's yes. equally pleasing i think and I also like a really generous filmmaker as well. It gives you a lot more than you expected. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that with filmmakers sometimes, you know, we're doing things now and then you see their student films and go like, well, they had no money, mm -hmm. but they, they were still the same person. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still giving you more than a student film would, would give you. Sure. So it all, it just scales up. But then again, the flaws. Scale up <laughs> as well. And then it's like, oops, doodle. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, it's funny. I was watching a uh, making of doc documentary on YouTube uh, about the making of Peter Jackson's Bad Taste, which was his first film that uh, started off as like a, a short film project that he was doing with some friends and it stretched out into a feature length film. Well, a f near feature length, I think it's like 76 minutes long or some, something like almost a feature length movie. But it's all homemade. It's a homemade movie. You know, it's it's got this elaborate plot but if aliens and all kinds of gore and stuff like that, but it was all made by him. You know, he made the guns and he made the models and he, you know, it's just like this labor of love. And, and that's so exciting because you can see the love of a love of film, but, but it feels like at some point that love of movies has left him, you know, and he has like a love of technology, which he had then as well, but he seems to have lost his love of exciting us or giving us, you know, a story, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's that just made me kind of sad watching that. Yeah, where you have someone who's making like with the equivalent of a student film, but an incredibly generous student film where it's just you know he's just you know he's giving you his all. He's like giving all the money that he's earned and in, in, as an adult is being thrown into this movie for you, you know. And he's and he you know he's just doing as as much as possible, you know. Like it's filmed on weekends, but that doesn't matter. It's, we're still going to give you this big giant you know, or as giant as we can be on the budget that we have and, and the situation we're in. And and to go from that to someone who just sort of is seems beholden to technology and, and unable to think in terms of, of you know, story and, 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 and excitement and the fun of a movie, the fun of a, you know, a, a, a daring and if shocking you or whatever, you know, it just, it's just all rote now, yes. Here's a weird question. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, has there ever been any crossover between Taika Waititi and Peter Jackson? I don't think so. 
It's weird because they're two big uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. seem New Zealand is big enough. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, two large filmmakers. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh, who are who are very much you know also funny and. But I and would say t- Taika Waititi is not a large filmmaker the way that Peter Jackson is. I know that he's done a, a Thor Thor movie, but I think the appeal of that Thor movie is its kind of smallness. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it feels much different than a than your usual like big yeah sweeping epic. Not- they're 10 years apart in, uh, you know, in age and, mm. and, and you're like, okay, well now, you know, Taika Waititi is doing a lot of stuff with the Mandalorian and I'm like, they're both now, you know, and of yeah, course yeah. Jackson's doing all his stuff and sure. like, has there been ever any, it's weird <laughs> that you've never seen these guys like jam together on anything or there's yeah. been no crossover. I feel like, you know, in Canada, if there's two very, very popular filmmakers, well, they're gonna at some point, you know, uh, they meet each other and something's mm. going to happen there. We're just such a small, big country. But yeah, it's, uh, maybe maybe it's something obvious that I'm completely missing out on. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, I just, well, I, I mean, they're just working in different spheres. I mean, I mean, Peter Jackson, you know, he's a businessman now. He's not really a filmmaker anymore. But Peter Jackson is, uh, you know, was one of these guys who, when, say, Edgar Wright was coming up, was very encouraging to him. Sure. You know, he's one of these guys who, like, when the new filmmakers are coming up, he's he's there yeah. supporting. And, right. like, it does a cameo in mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz that's very funny. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, you think, like, then in New Zealand, where the upcoming filmmakers you must th- run into. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, I'm, I mean, he, I'm sure he encouraged Taika Waititi, but I just, I, I don't think they collaborated on, on anything. No, no, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you get what I'm saying, and yeah. you see where I'm coming from. Anyone yeah. knows when they, if they work together, let, let me know, because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I, yeah, I just think they're just two different, kind of two different spheres of, of New Zealand. Also, by the way, Taika Waititi, that's a good career. I like that career. That seems nice. Look at that. You make a big film, you make some TV stuff, mm-hmm. you do a little thing, you do a robot voice. You just have some, ah, <laughs> oh, man. That's, well, but his films, are, his films are all smaller in scale than what Peter Jackson has, has done. Like, even at the beginning of Peter Jackson's career, his films were, were big in scope, you know, whereas Taika Waititi's films are much more personal and smaller, you know. Like, even okay. his war film, Jojo Rabbit, is, is small in scale, you know, like, it's, it's about, it's, it's about a small part of a city. It's you know, it's it, it's not a sweeping film. It's not that sweeping is a gener- there's not a generational film. The war the war element of it is is very is very a small part of it. You know, whereas Peter Jackson is you know even when he did like a what should have been a small film like The Lovely Bones is just like a giant special effects masturbation thing. You know, like it's just like ugh, like get over yourself. Throw a, get. I know you have Weta to run, but. But uh, you don't need to. You don't need to throw it into this movie. Just let them do other films for other people too. Yeah. I noticed he's working on a Beatles thing too. Well, that's that's he's or been. Is it done? It is done, and and that was a a case where he's not uh, adding anything to it. He's just re, He's just made a, a a documentary about the making of Let It Be. Ah, very good. Okay. And so he's been given access to all the footage. Like all the film and everything of of the Beatles, whether at Twickenham when they were filming in the studios, the film studio, or when or when they're working at Apple and and the rooftop sequence, of all all of that. So he's, you know, like uh, the original guy who filmed that had his own point of view, and the movie re- is emblematic of that. And also Apple, well, Ellen Klein, the manager of the Beatles, you know, he wanted to promote a, a particular view of the Beatles, so that movie cuts out almost anyone else, like like. You know, Billy Preston played with them on the roof. 
Like he's mm. there playing on the roof. He's playing keyboards with them. Is he in the movie? He's not in the movie. He's in nowhere ever in the movie. Even wow. though throughout the the recording of that album, he was there, uh, invited by George Harrison because he thought he would help uh, the other beat that helped him kind of get along to have an outside outsider there to sort of you know keep everyone on their best behavior. And so yeah, Billy Preston's there, but he is never present in the film. And that was a conscious editorial cho- choice enforced by Ellen Klein on the movie because he wanted it to be about the Beatles and only the Beatles. So mm-hmm. you, there's very little George Martin in it. There's very little uh, Glenn Johns in it. There's very little of the other engineers who worked on it. Um, uh, Ken, gosh, people help me. But anyway, you know, any of those people, Ken Scott, sorry, yeah, Ken Scott, any of those guys who worked, you know, did were the engineers on it. Like they don't get a look in. It's, you know, it's super, so, you know, only focus on the Beatles. So it would be, in, I, I don't want Let It Be to disappear because I love that movie and I always want it to exist and it doesn't exist, right? Like, I mean, it exists, but it doesn't exist for people to watch it. Like if you have it in some way, you probably sneakily downloaded the the Laserdisc version that's floating around on the internet. You can find that if, if or, or ask someone that loves the Beatles and maybe they have a copy they could they could Dropbox to you if you're interested. But anyway, I don't know that person. I'm saying, I don't think I, I know that person anyway. I, I'm saying that if you know someone who's like a huge Beatles fan and maybe even hosted a, a podcast about the Beatles, <laughs> if you were interested in that's seeing so the, that version of Let It Be, you could possibly ask them and maybe they would put it in the Dropbox for you. You know, I'm, I don't know. But, you know, anyway. Uh, cough, cough. Yeah, cough, cough. <laughs> but... I am interested in seeing what Peter Jackson has done with it. And I think they were, I think they were um, very impressed by his work on um, They Will Not Be Forgotten. I yeah, think that's what it's yeah, called, yeah. The, the World War I, yeah. which I have not seen, and I would love to see that I film. I haven't either. I would like to see that, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's a film to talk about. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. There might be a reason to. Hooray! <laughs> Yes. Um, Dave, Dave. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we we we've we've enjoyed each other's conversation for quite a while. Uh, but we we got letters from people that I think we should acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Is that cool by you? Yeah, let's just thank them and let's uh, end the show. All right, thank you and thanks uh, everybody. Go with, go with God and remember, go in the peace. Ten commandments. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Uh, Number one, have fun. Number two, I mean you. Number three, <laughs> don't flee. Number four, ask for more. Number five, stay alive. Number six. Anyway, um, <laughs> cross the river sticks. <laughs> Number seven. Now you're in heaven. Um, <laughs> well, uh, we asked last week uh, questions, and one of them was, uh, "Do you what do you take pride in?" Also, we asked, "How do you pronounce Nazi?" Also, have you ever had a disappointing road meal? We're all over the map. <laughs> we really were. We're all over. We the really map. were. What's funny yeah. is it was the 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 question that we both went yeesh about that the one everyone got excited to answer. So. Okay. So, um, and uh, also we'll be just like reading your letters. So if you're referring to things that are in the show that are unrelated to that, eh, you'll, get, you'll know what we're talking about. Yep. Todd, our friend Todd writes, the Tom Baker Doctor Who uh, story Dave mentioned is uh, the Stones of Blood. Ah, but, yes. it, but it was not filmed at Stonehenge. Oh. Instead, well, it was filmed at I a didn't... similar state. I'm, well, I'm glad it was filmed at a similar I personally just thought it was like, this is a bunch of fake stones that they put in the field. Well, so. no, it was the Rollwright stones oh. in Oxfordshire. Hmm. Uh, within the story itself, the stones are referred to as the nine travelers in 
Boscombe Moor, a fictional location. Mm -hmm. In typical Doctor Who fashion, these turned out to be a group of rock-like aliens called the Augury, who can move around slowly and suck blood. Oh. Yeah, like most rock groups at the time. Am I right? Um, As for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which we did talk about as well, as Peter Ayers uh, mentions in the episode 457 thread. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should have read that one first, actually. Uh, should I should I go to that one? Yeah, maybe maybe they do that one first because that was fun. All right, let's go. Two hundred fifty-seven. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Going to two hundred fifty-seven. Breaking up my stride. Here. <laughs> you had no stride. Uh, let's see. Here we go. All right. Had uh, to weigh in on the whole thing. Yes. Uh, totally agree with Todd that the first book of the league was a delightful romp. Well, no wonder deserved... Todd quoted him. No kidding. Uh, delightful romp, which deserved a, a better effort. Uh, this is Peter uh, Ayres yeah. uh, writing this. Abundance of ideas could have made for a great series of movies using the tried and tested copyright free characters. Mm-hmm. The most maddening thing about the film uh, that got made is that it actually contains a few good ideas, such as. The Dorian Gray character and the father-son relationship between Tom Sawyer and Quartermain. Uh, but then we're ditching character flaws, uh, flattening the female lead strengths, and staging a car chase in the one city in the world that has no roads. <laughs> Sheesh. What part is that? I don't remember that. I'm not sure. You have to watch this uh, movie again, I guess. No, we do not. Similarly, Kevin O'Neill <laughs> is just not... A uh, brilliant draftsman mm. or draftsman, uh, but a first-class designer. So whilst the production design of the movie is pretty good, it's a crime they didn't use any of his ideas, unless you count Mr. Hyde's strange big arms. Yeah, and I do. As for Edward's idea of the league changing throughout history, uh, that's already there in the text of the comics with characters such as Prospero, Gulliver, Orlando, John Carter, and Emma Feel, Peel, R.I.P., uh, later volumes of the series get a bit bogged down by the weight of references and the problematic nature of historic uh, characters, but the Nemo series uh, rekindle the zip and the fun of the first volume and are well worth a look. Todd responds, uh, I haven't seen the League movie since it came out, so in fair- fairness, maybe it is worth revisiting. I agree that the basic uh, premise of literary figures teaming up is strong enough on its own and doesn't require more level writing to pull off. And as Peter mentions, the League comics do feature several different incarnations of the League throughout history. So I recommend checking them out if you're interested. And I second his recommendation of the Nemo series in particular, especially if you're interested in Lovecraft and or the film Metropolis. Hmm. Interesting. So I kind of, yeah, I kind of got a little bit, uh, I lost I lost track of things, but I do I did really enjoy the very the the original League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, so back to Todd. Uh, as Peter mentions in episode 457 thread, the books do feature several different incarnations of the League throughout centuries, including a 16th century version with Prospero and Don Quixote, and an 18th century version with Gulliver and the Scarlet Pimpernel. Sadly, neither of these ever got a full fledged comic devoted to their adventures. And instead, the League books move forward in time until the final volume is set in the present, though still with plenty of flashbacks to the past. This means that there's a lot of tiptoeing around copyright. And as Ian mentioned, that's me. Harry Potter (laughs) shows up, but never gets called by name and doesn't really look or act himself. Also, the Victorian League is run by a spymaster called Champion Bond or Campion Bond. 
Then in the 50s, a young spy called Jimmy shows up who is said to be Campion's grandson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, maybe <laughs> Played by Woody Allen. Maybe because, hmm, that's true, he, did, he was James Bond Jr. Uh, Jimmy uh, Bond. Maybe because of these copyright issues, uh, the later League volumes move away from the team-up angle. So there are League stories set in the 50s, 60s, etc., but they don't quite feature Leagues of fictional characters from those eras. Instead, some of the Victorian-era members gain immortality and the later stories are mostly about them adapting to changing times. The final volume, though, does feature a side story about Mina uh, forming a league of public domain superheroes, which is pretty great. I think Alan Moore, (laughs) over time, mainly lost interest in the Victorian and superhero parts of the league and got caught up in the freedom the series gave him to combine any and all uh, types of fiction. There's plenty of stuff I like about the later league volumes, but overall, they seem unfocused compared to the Victorian era ones. And Ian has mentioned several times uh, through the podcast that limits are actually good for creativity. And I think the League books show that. The first two volumes stick strictly to the Victorian superhero uh, team idea, uh, but that provides something to hang all the more obscure references on. The later books lack this core, so while they're more ambitious, they don't hold together nearly as well. Uh, Peter Aries mentioned the Nemo trilogy as a return to form. And while I agree they're probably the best of the later volumes, they're still a little hard to get into on their own. For one thing, they star the daughter of the original Nemo, so you have to read League Century to get her backstory. And one last thing, the villain in the Stones of Blood is named Vivian Fay, which uh, by an odd coincidence is the same name as the head ballerina during the big long nightclub musical sequence in A Day at the Races. Tying into our Marx Brothers podcast. Well done. <laughs> Here, I'll give a little applaud to you. Applause, applause. Uh, our friend Nina writes and goes, uh, because I was slamming Chicago, uh, saying, uh, do you think that was the best picture of the year? Um, <laughs> and it won an Oscar. Uh, Chicago is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I was ecstatic when it won best picture. And then she does a little shrug emoji. What's she going to do? <laughs> oh well oh well uh and then uh and then uh, goes on to say oh and i think uh the guy's right about the pronouncing pronunciation oh i can't pronounce pronunciation that's not a good sign yeah. uh pronunciation of nazi hard a as in the a in cat nazi i have to admit i always find it odd when i heard it pronounced the other way on this show but i shrug it off and again here's the emoji now she's gonna put the emoji again she did the shrug emoji for the last thing and didn't do the shrug it off emoji when she shrugged out of me. You're really, uh, it's fine. I am. And Louise Moon, our friend Louise, then then joins in this conversation to say, I think people in the UK say it with a short O sound, Nazi. Maybe the other way is more common in North America. My guy used to perform a commercial parody with his sketch group. Their tagline was, why be a patsy when you, when you can be a Nazi? But my go-to website for rhymes, rhymezone.com, rhymes it with Potsy, Stockerazzi, and Koyanaskatsi. I say it somewhere in the middle. So for me, there are three different vowel sounds in the phrase, not Nazi cat. Well, four, <laughs> including the I. Uh, and then uh, Nina joins in yet again and says, update. It turns out Bob, uh, her fiance and a, a, a multi-time guest on our show, pronounces it your way. So, Bob, huh. a vote for the Nazis. That's <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Bob is pro-Nazi. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm absolutely right in saying that, right, Dave? When I say Bob is pro-Nazi? You are correct. I mean, pro, 
pronunciation of Nazi as Nazi, you mean? Bob says Bob's Bob is pro Nazi. Okay, very good. He's not pro Nazi. He's not pro Nazi. Yeah. He's pro Nazi. Yeah. Bob Mackey is pro Nazi. It's so easy to remember. Anyway, no, he's not. Anyway. <laughs> He, uh, you jest. You jest. I then apologized to Nina saying, uh, I'm glad you like Chicago. Uh, my wife Pia loathed it so much. It's a toxic uh, subject to this day. And Nina mentions, yeah, you slandered it more than a few times on this show. Ha ha. Uh, I bought the DVD and soundtrack and have watched it many times. Uh, it was just incredibly refreshing to have a fun, sexy musical with a majority female cast win Best Picture instead of a historical war epic or something. And I say, a movie like that, it had it coming. It had it coming. It was. <laughs> I just, I just found that kind of. Is it a historical war epic? Uh, uh, historical which, war epic. Or which war? Which historical war epic is she thinking of? Is it? Is it Lord of the Rings: Return of the King that won the next year? Is that the historical uh, war epic she is re- referencing? Uh, you know, all those historical war epics. Yeah, that, you know. How about Gladiator that went Gl- in two thousand? Is that? Gallipoli, Gallipoli, whatever that freaking yeah. thing was. I don't know. It's all fine. Oh, they like a nice war. Let's, did war horse win for anything? Eh, there was a horse. He fought in a war. Let's let's stuff. look. Let's look five years before. Uh, so it won in two thousand and two. Did it? Two thousand one. Two thousand two. So if we go back five yeah, years, that gives us the ninety seven. Winning was the worst thing that happened in two thousand one. Ninety seven Titanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ninety eight Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Nineteen ninety nine American Beauty. 2000, yeah. Gladiator. Uh-huh. 2001, A Beautiful Mind. 2002, Chicago. Okay, but, you know, it's always going to be a Vietnam one with uh, <laughs> Will no Defoe Viet- being shot in There's the no Vietnam one in those, that I list. Know, it, is. it doesn't matter if it isn't. It still is. <laughs> it's still born on the 4th of July. So it's, it's, just, still... it's just the the cliche version is what it we is. We, it, we, the, the okay. it's, yeah. it's the Vietnam movie uh-huh. and it's helicopters. And they're playing something's happening here, and that's the movie that wins. Did Platoon win? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Even if it didn't, it did. <laughs> right? It did, right? Even if it didn't. I I have no right? I have no I have no dog in this hunt. Yeah, it did. It it, I, I, it did. Sure. It won in '86. Platoon did win. Yeah, there you go. See, of course. The year did, before, it, out of Africa. It did. The year after, the last emperor. I don't know. I just. I don't know. I guess I'm just sort of taking issue with that that kind of cliche, I suppose. Yeah, it's right, though. It's correct. It's completely... <laughs> completely All right. It's, it's completely correct. If you disagree with Nina, uh, she's not going to stop drawing sparks. No, that's fine. I'm, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me see. I got, I got a little something here that might... Uh, uh, Hurt Locker. There you go. 2009. That one. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's... that's one of those. Uh, let's go. Okay. Uh, here's some, here's some war movies that won, yep. uh, the Oscars. Yep. Hurt Locker. Yeah. Uh, you got your, uh, English patient. You got your, that's Schindler's not a war list. movie. What? English patient has nothing to do with the war. English patient isn't a war movie. I don't think so. A war? I don't remember very well. War? I didn't like it very much, but. Well, it was a war. So there you go. It's not, uh, it's not a war. It I got, I got, uh, I, I got know. a list here of 16 war movies that won best. Picture. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. So and, it's an English uh, patient, sir. Okay. Yeah. Wait, and that's the history of the in the Oscars? That one best picture. But I mean, that's the history of the in the history of the Oscars since 1929. Many, yeah. 16 movies. Right. We're 16 war movies have won. Yeah, sure. But they, all, they always win. It's always <laughs> Right? It is. It I'm just, is. I don't feel I feel like this is a, a an undeserved cliche. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, fair enough. All right. Schindler's <laughs> list, Platoon, okay. Deer Hunter. 
Okay. Uh, we're getting, um, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia is a little way away. Uh, Bridge over the River Kwai. Uh, yeah, that doesn't, I mean, I, Casablanca. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like a war movie. I mean, I think this what, is what really stretching. Casablanca isn't a war movie? Like, how is it yeah. a war movie? When, what are they fighting in the war? It's place during a war, and everyone's lives are affected by the war. And she's yeah, yeah, but are you going to call the, the the best years of our life a war movie? The a movie about people coming back from the war? Like, it feels like it's a really loose, a really loose. Casablanca uh, takes place dead smack in the war, though, right? I mean, th- are you not going to count? Well, you would have to count Gone with the Wind because that actually has the war. Okay, anyway, let's. Uh, <laughs> I just feel to... like I just feel like you're stretching a point, but anyway, whatever, that's fine. Okay. Anyway, a, a war movie wins every year. So anyway, Louise writes. <laughs> this is garbage. Uh, about about the Academy Awards new diversity rules. For Wait, best I just picture. have to throw my pen on the ground. Okay, please. There, I threw it on the ground. I'm so uh, mad about this. What is dumb it good Oscar thing? For? Absolutely nothing. Stop. Man, that sound. <laughs> um, it was him throwing a pen on the ground. Uh, about Louise writes yeah. about the Academy Awards new diversity rules for best picture which uh, takes effect in 2024. Yeah. A movie, it's, it's optimistic saying there will be a 2024, isn't it? That's nice. Just going, hey, you know what? There's going to be four years from now. Uh, things mm. will still be around. That'll be great. We'll still have movies. That's really nice to think. Thanks, Louise, for that. Now let's keep going. Uh, a movie can, uh, according to the new diversity rules, a yeah. movie can still have an all-white, all-male, all-straight, non-disabled cast. It just needs to check the boxes of any two out of four areas. Here are the two out of four areas uh, needs to be checked. Uh, one, actors and subject matter. Two, behind the camera production staff. Three, paid apprenticeships uh, and training opportunities. And four, audience development, including marketing, publicity, and distribution. Hmm. I don't think it'll be hard for a multi-million dollar production to meet their requirements. I've never felt bad when I was hired because producers wanted gender diversity on their staff, especially early on in my career. I got work experience and made contacts. Uh, they got a team with a wider variety of perspectives, which made their productions better. And then Louise got me hired on that uh, Street Sense thing I was talking about. So mm-hmm. it all worked out for, uh, you know, the white man in the end. <laughs> another white guy shows up. Yeah. Bottom line. <laughs> bottom line. Bottom line. Like, my opportunity. Yeah. And, my uh, and it's until I have a chance to write my Vietnam movie that's going to win the Oscar. <laughs> oh, I'm looking and, forward to it. Buffoon. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, called, it's called The Lost Patty. And it's like, uh, <laughs> it all takes place in one rice patty. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. All right. And it, and it starts off with uh, every uh, song that you've ever heard in these movies. Oh, okay. And it's also, why do you play those songs? They're like, my girlfriend sent me a mixtape. She <laughs> loves these. This is the end. Yep, all of them. Everything. Uh, and then Chris Rowe writes, Nazi schmatzi, as uh, Tom Lair uh, once put I it. believe that's Chris Roberts, who, I don't know if he accidentally pressed enter before he put his full name in. But anyway, it's Chris Roberts who wrote that. No, I think it's Chris Rowe, the uh, old uh, Superman villain. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, Chris Rowe. He mostly fought the Justice League, but he sometimes <laughs> fought Superman. Uh, anyway, Chris Rowe. Okay. Um, my Nazi my mistake. Yeah, please. Uh, I'm a flat A guy myself when it comes to Nazi. Nazi rhymes with Patsy hereabouts. However, Winston Churchill would disagree with all of us. Narxi with a soft Z. Narxi. Narxi. Uh, Narzi. He said Narzi. Narzi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like fairy cross the Mersey. <laughs> uh, with the way he pronounced it. Yeah. Uh, uh, though he may have been the only one. Well, honestly, 
the only he matters when he's done with it. Uh, here he is in 1939 telling it uh, like it was. Mm. And then there's a little video clip uh, there, which reminds me, which, by the way, if you want to see that, go to sneakydragon.com, go to last week's episode, and then you'll see these letters, and you'll see that uh, link. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me, I watched a clip today of Orson Welles. Uh -huh. And Orson, Orson Welles was talking on the Dick Cavett show about when he was a child. And Dick Cavett mentioned, you know, when you were a child, you had dinner with all of these famous people. You were traveling all over the world. And he was like, yes, I, I did. And, uh, and uh, you, know, you must have so many memories from that. It's like, well, there's one fellow that I have no memories whatsoever about, and that was Hitler. And <laughs> when he was a little kid, he was sitting next to Hitler, and he doesn't remember anything uh, from Hitler. Wow. Uh, and uh, and uh, Dick Cavett was like, well, maybe under hypnotism you wouldn't. He was like, oh, no, 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 no. I remember sitting next to him. I remember everything about it. He was just so boring. I don't remember <laughs> anything he said. He was the dullest man I'd ever met. Huh, huh. And it's like, you really needed a whole room full of people going, Sig Heil, Sig Heil, to make it work. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but Dave, do you have any letters sent uh, the old-fashioned email way? Yes, I do have some emailed messages from our listeners. Uh, would you like me to read them? Please. Well, then I will. Uh, the first one is from... Australian listener and winner of our last questions show, actually a two-time winner of our question shows, Jonathan Bampton. He writes and he Hi, he helpfully includes headlines, which I always like. Mm. Uh, it says, "Feel like a fully grown adult, dear David and Ian. I'm 37. It's oh, great, good for you. I'm 37, <laughs> and yeah. don't feel like a must, full must be nice. Yeah, must be it's great. Yeah, it must be nice. Yeah, yeah. You get up. Can you get up on a chair and you don't? You're not sore. Is that? Yeah. What's it? What are you bragging about that oh, for? Oh. What's with this guy's? What's Jeez. this guy's problem, Dave? I don't know. He's really giving us the business you know about you know his what? young age. Is <laughs> what his problem is? He's 37. Yeah, you know what? That is a bit of a problem yeah. nowadays. You don't realize. You don't realize that you're 37 when you're 37. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You, you know what, Dave? Hang up. Hang up the phone <laughs> on this guy. <laughs> you're just walking through life. You're yeah. 37. Oh, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a 37-year-old man. No, 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 no. That's me. That's what you sound like when you say that. That's what you sound like. Does that make you happy to sound like that? Anyway, so. All good. Did he say anything else after that, or is that it? That's all he just wrote to tell us that he's 37. <laughs> <laughs> all right he says uh i'm 37 and i don't feel like a fully grown adult oh okay that's good i became a father recently congratulations congratulations our twin boys arriving in those few brief weeks of sanity between the bushfires and covid pandemic Ugh. taking the bundles of joy home i couldn't help thinking of some comedian's observation quote i don't believe we can just take them away from hospital don't we need a license <laughs> Don't we need to sit? Don't we need to sit a test first? Driving the six kilometers home with more caution behind the wheel than ever in my life, I kept thinking, "I need an adult. I need an adult." Wait, that's supposed to be me. And then he says, "Do you remember the drive home from the hospital, Dave? How did you feel?" It's true. You do feel strangely exposed when you leave the hospital. I remember it was Mary was born September fifteenth, so it's still summer. You know, it's still like. The, you know, the lazy, hazy ends, ends of summer, you know, you're maybe you're going into like a bit of a, uh, what do we call it now? A, a, an extended summer. And, okay. but when we left the hosp hospital with Mary, it felt so cold. 
we felt so exposed leaving the warm hospital with this little little baby who had never been outside before and you're like oh my god it's it's so cold out here these polar bears are gonna get us get to the car get to the car and at that time we drove or i drove this uh, 69 firebird and so you know we get into this ginormous metal beast with these vinyl seats in it they're as cold as ice you know and we're strapping our we're strapping the car seat into the back of this of this car and and it, everything just felt like dangerous and sharp and and weird and and your baby's so exposed to all this and you know and you need to get home because you get you can you know we actually didn't go to our house we went to our Lisa's mom and dad's because we stayed there for the first week because we needed support we were we did need some adulting and they were our adults that we we ran to and uh yeah it's uh it is it is very i i i agree with jonathan it's it's a different feeling like you're not you're not ready you think you're ready or if maybe you, i don't think you think you're ready you don't know what the hell's going on it just it's you just can't stop it though right you're you you're just you're walking on the street one day and then this pregnancy uh snowball came and rolled over you and now you're in the snowball and you're rolling along and other people keep joining you in it you know and it gets bigger and bigger um seven months later sorry i just asked like, how about the drive home with your second child is it a different drive yeah it's a different drive because you're you're now you're you're kind of used to it and and your car is more practical you know you're not driving a a dumb muscle car anymore that's like this booming engine and everything it's just like you're you know you're just driving like a normal car you know and you have and you've you've put you put car seats in before and you and you knew to like go down and and warm it up before you brought the baby down you know just you you've 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 lived your life, you know. You've had some experience. You got three years under your belt. You know how to change a diaper. You know how this works. Seven months later, I think I'm still accepting my role as a father. I was prepared for the enormity of the responsibility, theoretically, but I still have to remind myself many times. Remind myself that I always need to be fully mentally prepared and available for them. That seems to be what a fully grown adult is, and I'm still not always there instantly. A fully grown adult would probably not sit down to write you, fine North Americans, a rambling email like this on a strict, <laughs> on a strict time benefit analysis. That shows you guys the high esteem in which you are held by your listeners. Oh, well, thank you. Part of me wonders whether saving kids for relatively later in life, as we have, means that my wife and I will always somehow be a little set in our childish ways of id fulfillment. The original thinking was a prolonged adolescence meant we got our fill of peak creative and relaxation times, but who knows? I certainly feel more grown up now, as I have become, as Dave puts it, chore-orientated. Whereas in the past things to do with general orderliness and cleanliness were treated by me with no reference at all, for instance, the dishes could stand after washing a few hours before putting away, a small ant's nest outside the door could wait a day or two before applying removal, etc., etc., now they can no longer wait. Things need to be done quickly and put reliably back in place to make best use of time and mental load when the boys need us. These things make me feel like a fully grown adult. It also makes me feel a little reactive and not in control, but that's taking any responsibility. Mm-hmm. I gave up smoking a number of years ago, and that made me feel like an adult for some reason. My constant craving for another cigarette, however, over three years later, makes me feel decidedly childish. He says, addition knows no age. I also know I'm still listening to way too many podcasts when I know I have so much to do, or even when I don't have a lot to do, I know I should probably devote my mental energy to more productive relaxation or meditation that would be a better use of time. Then he says, Ian, were you ever a kid-alt of the Judd Apatow variety? (laughs) 
So is that the end of the letter? No, I just want, but I, if oh, you, would, well, you care to answer, answer that? Uh, I was not a stoner. No, and I think, mm. I think mo- most Judd Apatow uh, characters are stoners that yeah. are going really nowhere in their life until they become, uh, like, it's almost like the most basic uh, preachy uh, thing of just like, but as long as you have a baby, now you're going to be a dad, <laughs> now you're going to be acting together. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's all very scoldy and very, you know, listen, you live a straight life, except for getting high, because that's cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, yeah, it, like all the Judd Apatow uh, films end with the person in the most, uh, you know, if it was if it was like a on the on the most Christian channel of just like this is how you should live your life. If they look like a Latter Day Saints ad at the end, you know, with the exception of being high all the time. But to, yeah, it, it usually starts in the moment where you're not productive because you're just high so much. I was an insanely productive teenager, mm-hmm. uh, and Me I too, never yeah. did like any drugs. My my drug of choice was uh, was was junk food and uh, you know candy. Uh, so no, I would say I was not I was not that. Uh, I was more what someone like a Seth Rogen really was uh, in real life, which is someone who was like writing his own scripts. And then he ended up meeting Judd Apatow <laughs> and then got yeah. cast on a show and then, you know, was inspired by Judd Apatow and now does their own, uh, you know, uh, produces and writes and does all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, no, I was not like the fictional version. I was like a real version. <laughs> uh, oh, I also, Oops, sorry. sorry. You, I was going to say, I also did what Judd Apatow did, which was Judd Apatow went and interviewed uh, comedians he liked with a tape recorder and pretended they worked for something that didn't exist. I did exactly that. <laughs> I did exactly that. I faked uh, going to uh, like uh, interviewed actors and people that I liked uh, yeah. just to, just so I would know them. Sure. So, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I did the same. I, well, I started a fanzine, so then I could. Go. But yours was real. Mine was not real. <laughs> I know, but you know, that's why I started it. So I had an excuse to. There were times that I was worried they wouldn't notice that there was no tape in the machine. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, P.S. The first Sparks book is currently nearby our son's cots, and I suspect it will be one of their first literary memories. Thanks Aww. thanks for this beautiful gift to the world. Aww. Side note, Dave, <gasps> Dave was talking last week about stepdads, the do's and don'ts. Everybody should check out the most odious stepdad ever, Tally Savalas, in the Twilight Zone episode, Living Doll. Jeez, never has so much unspoken familial malaise and hostility been inserted into a 30-minute sci-fi. And then he says, what is the worst book-to-movie or TV show adaptation? The worst adaptation from book-to-movie is undoubtedly The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> what could easily have become an engaging courtroom whodunit with James Spader as legal counsel interceding on the part of our Lord is instead an S&M fantasy that makes little sense, even with subtitles. And they had four scripts to work with. And he says, sorry, I'll leave the comedy up to you guys. No, that was very good. Keep up the comedy, please. Mm-hmm. He says, the best adaptation is probably Rosemary's Baby. Even though Roman Polanski's film slavishly follows the book for the most part, the story is captivating in both mediums. Who wrote the original book? Was it Ira Levin? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. Sorry. I think, I think but I'm not sure. You know, part of what's kind of interesting is uh, all our talk about what, are we adults and, and whatnot. Um Kind of, I was watching a, a video of someone was talking about Narnia, and they quoted uh, um, C.S. Lewis. One time, wrote a, a essay defending children's literature, which he wrote, and and defending it uh, as something that adults could read as well. Because I do feel like a lot of us and our feelings about ourselves as adults 
we uh, feel defensive about some of the things we love. Like, for instance, I love comic books. And I don't even like like comic, you know, I do love like sort of alternative comics and things like that. But but I also really love children's comics. Like I love, you know, Belgian comics like Asterix and Tintin and, and uh, you know, Johan and Pierre-Louis and, and Benoit Brissifay, all these different ones. I love them all. I love the style of them and I love the stories and everything. And, and you know, they are essentially for children to read. I mean, they have an all ages element to them as well, but they were designed for children to read. And, and I, and I'm happy knowing that, you know, and I just, I feel like sometimes we judge ourselves as not as adults because we feel like the interests we have in our life are not quote unquote adult as if that's a meaningful uh, thing. But, you know, that seems to be something that kind of haunts, haunts us as, as, as nerds, I guess. And, <laughs> And so um, I found this this uh, C.S. Lewis quote really interesting. Um, so he's talking about ch- children's li- children's literature, but I think you can apply that to to all kinds of different interests, whether whether it's video games or or comics or sci-fi movies or whatever horror movies, whatever you enjoy. He says critics who treat adult as a term of approval instead of as a merely descriptive term cannot be adults themselves. To be concerned about being grown up. To admire the grown-up because it is grown-up. To blush at the suspicion of being childish. These things are the marks of childhood and adolescence. And in childhood and adolescence, they are, in moderation, healthy symptoms. Young things ought to want to grow. But the on into middle life, or even into early manhood, this concern about being adult is a mark of really arrested development. When I was ten, I read fairy tales in secret, and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I am fifty... I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the <laughs> desire to be very grown up. And I thought that was very interesting. And he goes on to say, the modern view seems to me to involve a false conception of growth. They accuse us of arrested development because we have not lost a taste we had in childhood. But surely arrested development consists not in refusing to lose old things, but in failing to add new things. <clears throat> he says, I now like Hawk which I'm sure I should not have liked as a child, but I still like lemon squash. I call this growth or development because I have been enriched. Where I formerly had only one pleasure, I now have two. But if I had to lose the taste for lemon squash before I acquired the taste for hawk, that would not be growth, but simple change. I now enjoy Tolstoy and Jane Austen and Trollope as well as fairy tales, and I call that growth. If I had to lose the fairy tales in order to acquire the novelists, I would not say that I had grown, but only that I had changed. A tree grows because it adds rings. A train doesn't grow by leaving one station behind and puffing on to the next. In reality, the case is stronger and more complicated than this. I think my growth is just as apparent when I now read the fairy tales as when I read, as when I read the novelists. For I now enjoy the fairy tales better than I did in childhood. Being now able to put more in, of course I get more out. But I do not here stress that point. Even if it were merely a taste for grown-up literature added to an unchanged taste for children's literature, addition would still be entitled to the name growth, and the process of merely dropping one parcel when you pick up another would not. It is, of course, true that the process of growing does, incidentally, and unfortunately, involve some more losses. But that is not the essence of growth. Growth, certainly not what makes growth admirable or desirable. If it were... If to drop parcels and leave stations behind were the essence and virtue of growth, why would we stop at the adult? 
Why should not senile be equally a term of approval? Why are we not congratulated on losing our teeth and air? Some critics seem to confuse growth with the cost of growth and also to wish to make that cost far higher than in nature it need be. Well, I think that's a very interesting point he has mm-hmm. to make there. I think that's really fascinating. And then, uh, oh, sorry. I, I was going to go like, you know, when he's, he's saying there's unpleasant things to growing, it's like, that's true. But, you know, if you uh, halt your development, you still die. Yeah, yeah that's, ex- that's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the paradox or the, or the conundrum we live in, right? That we, we have to constantly grow. And sometimes that does involve loss, but it also can involve... Uh, attachment and and new things we learn and new things that we that we embrace as well so you know that's his life and yeah. you know eventually you're not 37 and it hurts to get out of a chair jonathan yeah, uh, yeah. 37 God. <laughs> finally we have edgar gansky writing and what do you say uh, ian oh well he made it he made it last, <laughs> he last again indeed. he's the last train coming out of the station <laughs> that's right he's the last ring in the tree <laughs> he's the bark he says what do you take pride in Now that my two kids are both in their 20s, I can easily say I take pride in the choices they've made, their ethics, and the direction they've taken in their life this far. Now, this is such a typical answer, of course. We parents are proud of our kids, right, David? I know how much you gush as a dad over Mary and Eve. Of course I gush. And who wouldn't? You have two very wonderful daughters. So I'll take this to a more specific answer. My kids make and draw stuff for me when the holidays or Father's Day roll around, and I cherish these works of art more than my own. They hang on my walls. My art doesn't. In fact, none of my art hangs on the walls of my house. I prefer the work of others to surround me right now. Both my daughter and my son have illustrated several beautiful portraits of the Marx Brothers for me in the past years. Their accomplishments to showcase both their talent and the ability to make their old man happy makes me the most proud. And then he sends two examples, so I will uh, I'll put those on the website. I hope he's okay with that since he sent them. Have you ever had a disappointing road meal or a bad experience eating on a trip? He says, I remember a long summer trip back in 1978 we took to Florida and Disney World. Heading back to Dallas, we stopped in New Orleans, or New Orleans, a place none of us had ever visited before. Before our trip, my dad consulted a co-worker named Charlie Champagne. Or sorry, Charlie Champagne. Yes, really. That's quite a name. And I don't like that he had... Two, two different CH sounds in his name. I find that very annoying. Either it's Charlie Champagne or Charlie Champagne. It can't be two different sounds. It's too hard. All right. But they consulted him about where to eat in New Orleans. You see, Charlie was a very large and very well-traveled food connoisseur. So whenever my dad traveled, he'd consult Charlie beforehand. Charlie recommended a place in the French Quarter called Tujags. It's spelled T-U-J-A-G-U-E-S. So we hunted down the place. This restaurant looked like something out of an old B-horror film with the black and white checkered floor, the single dimly lit dining room, and all the waiters in tuxedos tuxedos passing for Bella Lugosi doubles. But my dad trusted Charlie. Without saying a word, one of these ghoulish waiters motioned for us with his finger to come into the dining room and pointed to our table. We sat, and instead of a menu, they started bringing food. There was no menu, just whatever they had made that day. Come to think of it, we were the only guests eating there which didn't bode too well. I remember all the food being in bowls of water or broth, and much of it didn't look right to me. Kind of like half-boiled or steamed meat and sauce of some kind. My mum said there was a chicken neck floating in her soup, and my brother and I just ate a bunch of bread to fill up. We still joke about the place to this day within our family, and I think my dad's out-of-town meal recommendations from Charlie ended with that trip. As an addendum, I looked up Two Jogs online, and the food looks wonderful. Two Jogs was established in 1856 and seems to have a great New Orleans reputation. Now that I'm wondering about it, 
Maybe we took a wrong turn and actually <laughs> ate somewhere else by mistake. Possibly a, newer, a lesser known restaurant named Two Jacks. He says, what is the correct, correct pronunciation of Nazi? Which is the correct pronunciation the way I said it? Nazi. Is it like Narlins? Like Narlins. Narlins. There's no R in it. Narlins. Okay. I've heard Nazi pronounced several different ways in pop culture, but firsthand here in Dallas, it's mostly Nazi. Movies portray Southerners like Slim Pickens in 1941 saying, A Nazi? We beat your kind in the Great War, Mr. Heine Kraut. This isn't a million miles away from Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards, who spoke of Nazis with a more Tennessee hillbilly drawl. I think it depends on where you're from and your local dialect. However it's pronounced, I do not want it to ruin this joke. Question, how do German soldiers tie their bootlaces? Answer, in little Nazis. He ends by saying, I owe you my Howard the Duck story. Of course, this takes place at Lone Star, and Howard the Duck was showing at the theater about <laughs> 2,000 feet across the parking lot from our store. 2,000 feet. That is quite a way to say something. Mm-hmm. The theater would usually bring a poster to us and ask my manager if he'd hang it on the store for promotion. Naturally, it made sense that this was, since this was a film based on a comic, so we hung it up in the store. I had a strange relationship with my store manager, Will, who was about 10 years older than me. Very private, but also very into comic. I saw Howard first, and Will asked me how it was. I simply said it was okay, and that, that I'd like the John Barry score, and maybe the special effects, but that was it. So Will took his mum and sister to see Howard the Duck that weekend, based on his interpretation of my recommendation <laughs> that it was great. Will's mum and sister were so mad at him for taking them to see Howard that mo- ha- say, see Howard that they got into a huge fight. Will then got mad at me, thinking I had told him the movie was great, and didn't speak to me for over a week. In fact, when I came into work the day after he saw Howard, he ripped the poster off the wall of the store he was so angry. Will was weird that way. No, no, I understand why he did that. Ian was spot on when he described the film Howard the Duck. Uh, it should have been a satirical take on the world seen through the misadventures of a duck who's trapped in our society. I've always drawn a smarter, I've always drawn a smarter parallel with Dave Sims Cerebus, who was the only aardvark on a journey of comic and political satire in a world of humans and pop culture. I never followed Cerebus to the end of his run, but do you think he should have should ever be adapted to film? Maybe as an animated series? I think he's good where he's at. Maybe Howard should have done the same. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Cerebus and Howard the Duck work better as a comic. They work better in a way that it's not that reality can't impose on the fantasy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you take if you take Cerebus and put him in, into a world where there's real tables and there's real chairs and there's real people like real actors say acting with with a fake aardvark you know no matter how well it was done it would always feel weird that they're just treating an aardvark as a real person you know like it's it just and no one's going like an aardvark <laughs> like it just feel weird right so like i don't know i think it's just fine in a comic where there's can be a suspension of reality between you know and you, you don't have to like fill in the the gaps of how he gets into a chair like how he gets into a full-size adult chair. It'd it's, it's be embarrassing to watch someone have to crawl into a chair. Yeah, there'd be no reason for it. It's like, also, first of all, you have to start with, do you start with the Conan parody? Do you start with that? Yeah, and that's not where you would like, want to start, people, right? Yeah. Do people know that enough? Like, I could mm. almost see it if, like, you started with a Game of Thrones type world. Mm-hmm. And then there's this little duck that's in, that's in it as well. <laughs> so you see the big sweeping scene yeah. of, you know, the dragons flying overhead and there's big battles and orcs yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, off to the side, there's a duck going, I'm not getting involved. 
Oh, not, you know, ducks. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. I'm not going to involve. And then gets pushed and then has to fight. And yeah, says, yeah, right. yeah. And then, yeah, it's commenting on all these things. And then it's like, ah, attack with us. And he leaves. <laughs> and then everything is then a parody of what's going on now. Yeah, yeah. Which is really what it is pop culture wise. But then you have to see it through two lenses. One, uh, through, there's a cartoon uh, artwork. Yeah. But also uh, through this medieval type world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's too much. It's too much things. Yeah. And there's not really a, a history of funny animal comics uh, or, or sorry, funny animal films of that sort. You know, like there's been, it's not, it's not commonly done where you have, you know, animals interacting with humans in movies. It usually, you know, like Mickey Mouse lives in a, in a universe that's populated by Mickey Mouses or, or other yeah. animals that are like him, you know, like there's, you know, even in, even in like like the Walter uh, or sorry the Carl Barks you know um, Dr. Uncle Scrooge and stuff like that the humans the human type characters are like more like dog like creatures that are kind of very anthropomorphized he never draws like real humans because I think he thought it would just be too jarring to have put that in the comic like I just you know I just feel like I think you know things that work as comics often it's difficult to make them work in in reality you know because the comics. Comics have their own kind of magic, the way they work. That that's you know separate from books and anything else. It's it's hard to it's hard to duplicate that 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 effect, and that yeah. and that effect is the instant the instant change of something and our acceptance of it changing instantly as 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 a natural flow of the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the effect would work if you did it like uh, in the same way that you did uh, Rocket Raccoon. Like, you know, because you buy Rocket Raccoon, you're fine in this mm-hmm. world of, mm-hmm. you know, generally humans. And okay, it's yeah, talking yeah. Tree. yeah. It does help that the first couple of times you see Rocket, he's next to a talking tree. Yeah. So, you're, <laughs> so you are in this weird world. Anyway, yeah, yeah. It's not the most bizarre thing that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could probably you could probably pull it off. But wh- why? <laughs> right? Like, why? Yeah, I guess What's Rocket's a good example of that. He's he, he does I mean, Howard's that. in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like... But, yeah, it could it could be fine, but, but it doesn't really work in the movie, though. Yeah, well, it's just an end joke. Yeah, that's the thing, and so whatever. And you just go they they won't ever mention Howard the Duck again. They did. Oh, you shocked us. Good for you. Uh, speaking of um, speaking of James Gunn. Are, yes, sir. I have. Did you notice that Slither, Slither is now on Amazon Prime? His uh, I did. Oh, I did not. It's a fun not horror Slither. movie. Yeah. If you okay, have, that's a good recommendation. If people have not seen that movie, it's quite good, and it is on Amazon Prime right now. It is. It is gory. I will tell you right now. It is a horror movie and has a has gore, but it is also it's also quite uh, comedic in, in its uh, approach. So it's it's worth a, worth a watch if you haven't seen well, it. There we go. That's a recommendation of the week. Um, so, our feature. Question of the week: hmm. uh, Have you got anything uh, there, Dave? Oh, let me think. You, you ask a question. Let me think of something. Sure. I mean, I, I think uh, you know we talked a little bit about school and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you know, there could be a question about just like uh, school in general. Good for you? Did you like it? Was it? Hmm? I said, eh. Let us know that. Uh, but there's another question I, I would like to ask you: uh, Have you got plans for Halloween? How are you working Halloween? This year, are you going to, uh, you know, are you just going ah eh, cancel it, or are you going like ah oh, I got to work around, we got a way to, we got a way we can do this, we're going to pull it off, uh, and maybe you're not even celebrating Halloween anyway because you don't celebrate Halloween. Um, but uh, what are you doing? 
for uh, Halloween. What's your plans? Yeah. Uh, and also uh, school. Yay. Nay. Ugh. Ah. <laughs> so, so let me, let me just, I need to write these down. So what are, sure. what are, what are these questions? The questions are, what are you doing for Halloween? If anything, that's a bit early for that question, but okay. No, I think now's the time you plan. Like I've been, I've seen parents online on my board going like, Hey, have you, have you broke the news to the kids yet? What news that there's going to be no Halloween this year. There's going to be Halloween. Well, no, these are these are multiple parents on my board are like, there's no way we can do Halloween this year, obviously. So we got to break it to the kids. Huh. Yeah, this is a, this is a thing. So this is why I'm asking. So uh, so yeah. How, and if so, how are you doing it? That's why I think now is the time people are making their plans for what to do for Halloween. Uh, and uh, my other one was uh, uh, school uh, in general. Pleasant experience. Uh, ugh, experience. Uh, how was it? That's a good one. Okay, mine's, uh, mine's going to be a bit more complicated. Okay, go ahead. Involves math. <laughs> How the many amount of podcasts? That's right. Do? That's right. That's Sneaky Drake. How many shows have we missed? No, no, <laughs> no, like, um, no. I was thinking more about uh, children's stories, and my question is kind of complicated. It's more for parents out there, but you can answer it too if you. I'm just wondering if 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 any of you have a beloved book from your childhood that maybe. Like all my books were given away when I when I was a kid. Like so, all the books that I loved that I owned as a child were were given away for the most part by my mom, it, which is fine because you know they're given to my aunts and uncles for for my cousins to read and things. So that you know they all got they got good use. But when my daughters were born, I made a point of of rebuying books or re you know g- getting books back that I I loved as a kid for them to read or for me to read to them. And I'm wondering if 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 others have done that as well. If you have like beloved children's stories that you have made a point of, of passing on to your children. Okay, cool. Is that okay? Is that an okay question? Or yeah, very much so. Kind yeah. of complicated. But... Okay, cool. Answer that, please. There you are. And now I think it's, I think it's you wrapping it up, Dave. Oh, okay. Well, here's how you answer these questions. You will go to sneakydragon.com. That is our website. You'll find the show there. Episode 459. You can, uh, Listen to it on the website if you like, and also you can comment on shows there. So you can you can click down below in the comment section and 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 answer these questions. We would love, or just write something else that you want to write about something that we talked about in the show. You want to make a comment on that? We love to read your comments, everyone. It's mm-hmm. such a joy to hear from everyone each week. You can uh, write to us privately via email at sneakyd at sneakydragon or through sneakyd at sneakydragon.com that is our email address sneakyd at sneakydragon.com we have a facebook page it's called sneaky dragon we're on twitter at sneaky sneaky underscore twitter and by the way i only tweet on sneaky dragon while i'm sitting on the toilet i heard that's the best way (laughs) and you can also find our patreon page uh patreon.com we're there at sneaky dragon and if you would like you can uh support the show we do appreciate that as well and i keep bumping i keep bumping the microphone because i'm nervously rubbing my hands together because it's making me nervous talking about money uh yeah so so there you go everyone there's lots of ways to contact us and if you'd like to write to us via snail mail if you go to the contact us uh little uh, button on the website you will find there our snail mail address as well as all other ways of contacting us there you go so thank you everyone for joining us and i i didn't realize it but i guess it's time for Wait, what is the... No, we're not that close. But I think it's, I guess, apparently time for me to start sewing my Halloween costume for this year. So Yeah. Because I am going to have Halloween this year. We will have pumpkins right. out. We will have candy available. And we will hand it out. We'll hand it out individually to kids using tongs or wearing gloves. So Or a little catapult. 
Or a little catapult. We'll have them stand in the road with their mouth open and I'll aim it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds best. <laughs> or or maybe we'll have uh, the vaccine by then and I'll just have like a whole bunch of like uh, vaccines in a bowl. And first they put their hand in the vaccine bowl. <laughs> then they put their hand in the candy bowl. I, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, when is, when is the, when is the election in the States? Uh, it's November. Yeah. Do I know specifically? No, no. I'm just kind of, I just think that anyway, it's, it's a very selfish uh, thing I was going to say. So I'll forget it. Uh, yeah, hopefully we have a... Do you, want, do you want to be president of the United States? No, I don't. I don't want to... November 3rd. November 3rd. Um, interesting. So, yeah. Uh, yep, hopefully there's a... Hopefully there's something by then. Or, you know, there's people... You know, we can we can do these things. People, we can get around these little things. We can we can make it work for for us. And kids can have fun. Kids can still have fun and still have candy and still be safe. Yeah, we're going to be handing out our candy from uh, a sewer. Like, uh, kids style. That's, that sounds perfectly safe. Yeah, we'll just say, yeah, the kids, we'll just, you know, throw it out of the sewer. Just as the kids get a little close, all the bags real close, and we'll just chuck it in there. And we'll have uh, we'll have our hands covered. In fact, we're going to put, like, protective makeup on our faces, white makeup. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it may look like we're clowns. Yeah. But, yeah, we're just going to check, uh, check candy at kids. No, I think yeah. that I think there will be kids that will brave this to get some candy, so... I'm I'm all for it. Okay. Be brave, kids. Get out there. Yeah, I'm gonna. Maybe I'll wear a candy mask, just a mask made out of delicious candy, and then through the night I'll just go. <laughs> and then when I've eaten my way through it, I'm like, oh, need a new mask, and I have to put a candy mask on. And uh, the candy mask, oh, the candy mask. <laughs> and of course, kids will be coming. Uh, you know, teenagers will be coming around, and of course, they'll get candy as well because I. I I always approve. If they are wearing costumes, I approve of teenagers. Oh, teenagers. fuck. You know what? This year, fucking everyone gets candy. <laughs> like, this is not going to be a year where, like, teenagers come by and you go, like, aren't you a little old for the... And you just go, like, it's a fucking horrible year. Take $20. Just take $20. Take $20. You you had a hard time, too. Everyone had a hard time? Yeah. Hey, do you want to drink beer for the first time? Go to our weird neighbors. They're giving out beer. They do. <laughs> give, up, give them some beer. Give them whatever they need. you need anything else? You good? Take a plant. Take they, a plant. They give beer to the adults, though, right? They give candy yeah, they to the kids. Yeah, yeah the that's parent. fine. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't want kids to get ripped off by this calamity. No, 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 no. Be nice to teenagers. Be nice to kids. Yeah. Give them what you can. Keep it safe. Mm. Uh, we'll figure out a way for I, sure. I can we'll, honestly say I've never asked a teenager. I've never asked a teenager. Aren't you too old to be doing this? Oh yeah, fuck that noise. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, know, I feel like here's what's going to happen. It's <laughs> it's going to be like a kid comes to my like a teenager comes to my door and goes uh, trick or treat, and I'll go like, oh, aren't you a little old for this? And then I'll look and see all the action figures on my shelves. They'll see comic books. And they'll see like there's a bowl of candy for me, and they'll see they were clearly watching cartoons. And they'll like look me in the eye, and I'll just hand over all the candy. <laughs> And the keys to the house, and just go. It's yours for an hour, and then I'll leave. Because you know, you got me, nailed it. Fair enough. You, you, you remember that is not a sign of adulthood. Watch, not watching cartoons. Absolutely, you're right. That's a sign of sadness. I feel sorry for my parents that they that they didn't enjoy pop culture the way I have. You know, they lived in a great time for pop culture, and yet they didn't embrace it. They, you know, they crabbly. You know, just watched boring TV shows. They didn't explore different things. They didn't watch French films. They didn't, you know, it just feels like... Boo! Yeah, what kind of fun was that? Are you, do you guys, like, are you happy now that you're in your... You're approaching 80 and your life was like this, 
you know, stayed, you know, watching the, the same old shows as everyone else. Like, ugh. Yeah. Dad, you want to listen to jazz, man. By the way, uh, let me throw a recommendation for something on Netflix at people. Okay. Uh, it's a show. It's an animated series. It's called Close Enough. Okay. Uh, it's by the folks that did the regular show, which is a kid's show. Okay. Uh, but it's very, very funny. And uh, it's like the, the episodes are a half hour, but they're two 15-minute episodes. And uh, uh, Jason uh, Manzukas is one of the characters in there. And it's okay. like a, a couple that has to live with a divorced couple. And uh, that's the premise. But then it just goes bananas. And it's uh, <laughs> hilarious. So uh, I'm, g- give it a watch. See if I'm wrong. See okay. if I'm wrong. Sounds a little bit like Too Close for Comfort. It certainly does sound like that. In no way is it like that. But please do give it a watch. Does one of them draw his uh, comic with a wearing a, uh, a cow puppet? He does not. Please watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a great way to end. That's our okay. second recommendation of the week. That's our new feature of this show, everyone. Now, now we have to think of a recommendation each week. Oh, my God. What are we doing to ourselves? Oh. I think and I got to go upstairs because my wife's been... Uh, has dinner and it's been ready for about 45 minutes all right let's say goodbye everybody all right bye everyone stay safe yes stay safe bye